0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt
2: Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
2: BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Uh, happy Tuesday to you following the President's Day weekend. Hope you've survived all of the excitement that I'm sure you you had over your weekend. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. We're back at it. By the way, it is, um, I guess, month number two for Donald Trump, which is so interesting because a lot of people are thinking, holy cow, it felt like we, that first month took a year. But I found a better way to look at this whole thing is very simply, no, 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 no. You've got 47 more months of chaos. <laughs> That's
3: an easy way to break it down. You know what
2: I mean? If you do it month by month, it doesn't seem as difficult. But I think he's going to get in the groove now. Because he had a hard first month, I think. Self-inflicted? Yeah, half of it, yeah. The other half just that nobody likes him. Well, yeah. 51% of the people don't like him.
4: Depends on the poll you want to read.
2: Yeah, it totally does.
4: There's friendlier polls. Those are probably more true.
2: But the neat thing again, the people get better at their jobs. And Donald Trump finally right. he found a he found a, a national security advisor that uh, is willing to take on the the entire chaos of yeah. his.
4: It seems like people are security team. Republicans, Democrats, happy with that pick. Very good pick. Um, and too bad he was pick three. Well, yeah, but you Third can't time's look at. The charm. Yeah. yeah,
2: you don't look at it that way.
4: Did you see when he announced uh-uh. who? Uh, what's his name? McMaster. Yes, which sounds like an actor. Lieutenant figure. General
2: H.R. McMaster.
4: He's sitting on a couch in his lobby or some room at Mar-a-Lago, and he's next to him is McMaster, and then the other side is the guy uh, named Kellogg, who's been yeah, acting, yeah. Mm-hmm. who will be the um, the number two guy in the national security uh, in that job, and. Um, or the council. And uh, you couldn't tell who was who. Oh,
5: really? Right? You couldn't they, tell well, they who just,
4: well, you don't know who these people are. Right. They're just – they're people – they're generals in the military. They're not people that are out in the public. And Trumps just starts talking and the news had to say, OK, on Trump's left, our right is this guy. And we're like, well, who's the other guy? Oh, that's Kellogg. That's Kellogg. That's the, Kellogg. Guy that's been that's filling the other job. guy. Why was Kellogg there? Move Kellogg – the announcement was for this
2: other guy. But it's a lot just- of people love this guy. Yes. This McMaster. They he's, thought they think it's a brilliant move He just because he's very stable. He wrote a book about um, how Des- he feels descent. the people
4: that served in Vietnam should have pro- been against what Johnson was doing as president.
2: Yeah. The, the, the generals were yes men, but they should have been pushing back. Yeah. And apparently it's a must read in the military. Yeah. It's, you know, so it's pretty cool.
4: Go down the wrong road if you just go with what's said. So he wants – you know, thoughtful dissent at point. Mm-hmm. Right. so we'll see how that works
2: which is something by the way we we don't want any of on this show. Really? no dissent and not much thoughtfulness. Mm. anywho okay huh? well, no comparison we'll see how that works <laughs> no <laughs> comparison uh we'll so we'll be talking more about Trump and his uh his, he's got a lot going on. he had a really big uh event, I think in South Carolina, and is that, was it south Carolina? He, he,
4: he had two events, yeah. To uh, to they called them campaign campaign rallies. rallies. The the twenty twenty campaign or twenty twenty
2: campaigns underway. President Trump again running for re-election. Again,
4: the Democrats so far behind. Yeah, so far behind. They're,
2: they're not, not even need, they're not even campaigning yet.
4: Yeah, they need a committee chair head. Well, actually, they are campaigning for that job.
2: Yeah, they're trying to find out yeah. who's going to be the head of the even DNC. Even though it's like
4: a high school class student body election type of. You
2: think it would be you know a no brainer? Just pick you know pick the leader. Right. But there's no leader. There's two or three that have stepped up. Yeah. But are they leaders? We'll see. We'll get, all, we'll get to all that fun. Plus today we're going to also talk about why extremists use violence. Mm. Why violence? Why do they need to blow up a bunch of people? And a pretty interesting psychological theory on why – what these people are doing as extremists. We think it's just because of a religious belief. Not, not, not always. Mm. A lot of times they're trying to fix some other problem. We'll get to that Oh wow. in just a few minutes. Um, also, of course, a review of the headlines. So who better to help us with that than Terry South? Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country? President Donald Trump has picked Lieutenant General
4: H.R. McMaster to replace retired uh, General Michael Flynn as the national security advisor after Flynn resigned last week. In a Monday announcement, Trump called McMaster a man of tremendous talent and tremendous experience. McMaster, a military strategist, was reportedly one of four candidates interviewed for The Post at Mar-a-Lago this weekend. Trump said he took two days, saw a lot of videos, read a lot of things. He's the best guy. (laughs) That's what he said. A revised version of Donald Trump's executive order on immigration and refugee admittance is expected to contain language, again, targeting seven Muslim-majority countries, deemed terrorism-prone, but exclude a ban on Syrian refugees. A senior administration official told ABC News, the new draft contains an exemption for green card holders Mm. and citizens from seven countries who are also U.S. citizens. So dual citizens.
6: Yeah, get that right. That that
4: was a problem before. Right. Uh, One of the officials said the difference from the order signed last month. Uh, uh, Another senior uh, administration official said Trump is expected to sign the order by the end of the week. I saw another report saying it's in the early stages.
2: Come on. It's travel ban 2.0. Yeah.
4: They got to get it right. They're just going to take it's out not the a parts. Band. The parts that got them hung up in court. Right. Yeah. The Justice Department Civil Rights Division on the FBI said late Monday they were investigating bomb threats and vandalism at Jewish community centers across the U.S. On Monday alone, at least 10 community centers received bomb threats, forcing many to evacuate while officials searched the premises. Mm. Uh, Separately, more than 170 grave sites at a historic St. Louis-area Jewish cemetery were were toppled and damaged in a weekend attack that included sites that hold the remains of Holocaust survivors. In all, threats reported targeted community centers in Albuquerque, Alabama, or Birmingham, Alabama, Buffalo, New York, Chicago, Illinois, Cleveland, Houston, Milwaukee, Nashville, St. Paul, Minnesota, and Tampa, Florida. Wow. All across the nation. Scary. And that goes back to the press conference that Trump held where the Jewish reporters stood up and asked him what they're going to do about this, but it seemed like Trump misheard him. Yeah, he felt offended. Defended himself as not being anti-Semitic. It's just kind of a fun video to watch because you're just like, wait, that's not even the same. Just
2: added to the many that are incredibly fun to watch. Yeah.
4: And over the weekend, Ivanka Trump tweeted out that we should protect our places of worship and our churches. And then people pointed out the Muslim ban. Right. Well. Religious freedom. Wait, hold on. Right. Wait, It's not, a, saying, not right? a ban. Something,
3: something doesn't add up. It's a, no, travel it's a, it's a ban.
4: The president said it was a ban. Multiple times.
3: Travel
5: ban. Uh, it's not a ban.
4: And finally, I found this story funny. In, uh, but, you know, again, to our story about extremists, a Florida man made at least 10 explosive devices in hopes of blowing up target shopping centers along the East coast mm. in an elaborate and deadly scheme to buy cheap stocks of the company, according to the U S department of justice. So Mark Charles Burnett, 48 charged with possession of destruction devices, uh, going after the stores, maximum 10 years in prison. Burnett concocted the plan, uh, to place explosive devices as food items in target stores. Along the East Coast from Florida to New York, thinking wow. the plot would cause stock prices for the re- re- retail store giant to plummet and he could buy cheap shares of the company before they rebounded. He paid a man 10 grand to place the bombs on the shelves and gave the guy a bunch of explosives, a bag of gloves, a mask, license plate cover so he could change his yeah, license plate. Yeah. And the guy said, Okay, great, and went immediately to the cops and told them everything that was going on. So the whole thing was. Take your can of corn and put it on the shelf. It's actually a bomb. It blows up. The stock price of Target drops. He buys all the stock and then it comes back. And wow, he's rich.
3: Crazy. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah.
2: That is nuts. Seems sort of intricate to, uh and, for stocks. And Genius. that guy. Luckily, he went right to the police. Yeah. The guy was like, "This is nuts." W- uh, were nuts involved? Probably a can <laughs> of a <little laughs>
4: nice cashews. can
2: of uh, mixed Cornets. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! What's happening? Now, tell me about Sweden. Because so, so, apparently they're
4: in the news. Sweden became a, a, a point of, of attention as President Trump brought up in one of his rallies <laughs> that something happened in Sweden. Yeah. And it was really bad. So, play, what is it? Clip three.
3: You look at what's happening last night in Sweden. Sweden. Who would believe this? Sweden. They took in large numbers, they're having problems like they never thought possible. What's with the what music? Is up? Yeah, what is up with this? Like, it was part blues? of some video. The
4: only copy I could find of that oh. audio was oh, off this okay. thing that I made a video out of. But uh, the only problem was nothing happened in Sweden. Well, Sweden, no, they're falling apart. What was funny it's was people in Sweden started looking around to see what he could have been talking about. There was a horse that fell into a well.
2: Oh, yeah. That's dangerous.
4: And um, they were able to – it was named Biscuit. I think the horse's name was Biscuit. And so they're hoping Biscuit was dry and so that became a hashtag is get <laughs> Biscuit dry or something. So there's these pictures in the pulling this horse out of a well. And that was really the only thing that
2: happened. Apparently he was watching a Fox news show and this show talked about Sweden and because they brought in so many refugees, they believe there may be a connection to certain crimes going up in Sweden. They talked to a film
4: documentary maker and this has been a, this is a thing going across Europe where there are people who believe that the influx of of immigrants are causing people to show up they don 't want to conform to the uh, you know european lifestyle they 're going right. to keep what they' what, what they traditionally the way they live and then they 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 act out and there 's violence that happens in the streets and pretty much a rise in crime and it all can be pointed at that it 's all from immigrants and right. I believe in Sweden they passed a law that on the TV news you cannot state somebody's racial uh Identity, I guess. Yeah, you can't yeah, yeah. say they're from Syria or they're from Egypt. Or yeah. you simply say a name and move on.
5: Hmm. Because they yeah. don't.
4: They don't want to point fingers at people. Right. but I don't know. And and they're saying that that's because the government's trying to hide the rise in crime. Except the Sweden put out their their numbers over the weekend, saying that crime is. What it's been—it's it's actually level.
2: gone down in some area. In this some morning, ways.
4: the guy that runs the official Sweden Twitter account is, is putting out a bunch of facts, saying that we had 100 murders over the last like five years. He goes, "That's like one day in the United States."
2: So, so this is interesting. Um, I guess is this an example of fake news? Uh, yeah. But because because no, 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 no. Donald came out later saying my statement as to what's happening in Sweden was in reference to a story that was broadcast on at Fox News concerning immigrants in Sweden. Right, fake news. He's just clarifying.
4: It was on the news. Yeah. The problem is I'm not sure if the people in Sweden will confirm that it's news because they say their crime stats. Here's yeah. their crime status. Maybe so, – well, you think he,
3: he thought Sweden is falling apart. Maybe he's talking about their furniture.
2: Maybe it's Ikea.
3: Maybe I'm, he's
4: talking about Ikea. Is, is it, is it an anti-Ikea statement? No. There's just – there's incidents all over Europe where – involving immigrants where you know some kind of violence. And if you look at the entirety of Europe, things are happening, right? This, this but is, it's not like – one country and they're 50 percent. Right. There's people are hiding in terror. Well, And, and you that.
2: just have to you know, you can be briefed. You just have to be briefed with accurate data. This was his exact comment. We've got to keep our country safe. He said you look at what's happening in Germany. You look at what's happening last night in Sweden. Sweden. Who would believe this? Sweden. They took in large numbers. They're having problems like they've never thought possible. You look at what's happening in Brussels. You look at what's happening all over the world. Take a look at Nice. Take a look at Paris. I mean so he – in broad strokes, he hits pretty much every country. He did a right. fairly good job. He just brought in Sweden because of a something he watched on Fox. Right. You, you know, you're the president. You just could take an he, intelligence briefing and yes. then just know – just go down the list of the briefing book. He has access to all the
4: intelligence information.
2: But he goes to Fox News. And he's on Fox
4: News.
5: I mean,
2: not that Fox News is bad because he could go to any news right. and make the same mistake.
4: I think it's the fact that he's going to the news to – I mean you – the other side is we had the uh, the argument of was it last I can't remember when this happened. just last few weeks yeah. where he says that there in are Trump's there are month. terror attacks that are underreported, right? So this feeds into that where it's right. like people just aren't reporting these things,
2: right? And, th- and that's a whole. And this is just this is kind of the financial impact, the, the crime impact. Mm-hmm. But again, you have the best briefers and intelligence in the world. Just right. read your briefing book. Speaking of the just news, take it with you. clip five. This was on CNN.
1: This is what makes it covering Donald Trump so very difficult. What does he mean when he says words? (laughs) I don't know.
2: What does he mean when he says
4: words? (laughs) At times, it can be difficult. (laughs)
2: That's CNN reporter Zachary Wolf. Yes. Talking about Trump's
4: words. (laughs) He said that and stopped and the the, the host went, okay, and then just kind of moved on with the conversation. But it's it's (laughs) a
2: really interesting point. Yeah. (laughs) What does he mean? mean? I mean, when he's using words – What does he mean?
4: So, yeah, I – was he trying to be misleading? Did he believe Hmm. something more was going on in Sweden? The Swedish government says they – the Swedish embassy in Washington, D.C. would like to speak with the – representatives from the US government and uh, explain their immigration policies and how they try to uh, you know help people coming into the country to to be part of the community and those types of programs yeah. that they have that was their response to to the whole thing it was like we'd like to show you what we're doing why it's working
2: it's yeah it's not I mean they have the issues but they're not necessarily what Donald Trump president Trump's talking about right he
4: made it sound like it was something more
2: possible. Again, that's just he, – he, what's amazing is he takes the little data that he has and he kind of can throw it in at any time. But again, just, just so you don't end up having to backtrack. What do you think – he's already having campaign rallies. Yeah. We, no, just,
4: we just finished. It was rough. It was long. Yeah.
2: And and look, now this, this was a weird one because it was paid for by his campaign. Part of this was paid for by the campaign, so I don't know what that's about. It seems like you know he keeps trying to shore up his base because as long as he's got his base, he can do anything he wants. Right, apparently, so I don't know. I don't know why he would maybe he's got extra money he's trying to get rid of. I, I did enjoy the criticism of him jumping out and having a campaign rally.
4: And then I was like, "Well, President Obama did the same thing." Oh yeah, no, totally. Like within a month, he was out at some oh, place did he? in okay, Ohio. So, so there you have it. Maybe that's it. You just have to constantly be running and raising money. He had an event, and I remember at a Caterpillar heavy machinery plant. Right. There was a bunch of jobs that were created, so he showed up there to you know congratulate him on the jobs. Kind of the same thing he did with what Trump did with Carrier, mm-hmm. except that was before. And and then there was just a rally. Obama went out and had a rally, and it's like. Both of them yeah. were kind of these people that fed off the crowd and fed off the people that supported them.
2: That's, that's it. And that's they both it. ran back out to They them. got to raise money. That's yeah. what it is then. Apparently, you raise money nonstop. God bless America. I guess. That now we just get to <laughs> run a race, win a race, and a month later, we're back running the race again. Mm. Yuck. Mm. Oh, well. What, uh, that's, why, that's why we'll bring you other topics. How about that? Again, don't look at it, don't look at it as a really hard first month. Just look at it as 47 more months till the next election. 47 more to go. Not not that bad. Stick with us, folks. We're going to come back and talk about why extremists use violence in their quest for significance. What's behind the need for violence? Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show helping you uh, understand what's going on in the world. We'll be back. one reason for president trump's travel ban was given uh, was to give time for government agencies to update background checking procedures right this would hopefully prevent potential terrorists from entering the us although terrorism is an important discussion we should give some attention to why extremists use violence to accomplish their goals in the first place why violence and many by the way of the people that are uh, that are dangerous aren 't necessarily coming from other countries they 're already here in the United States um, and again choosing to use violence as a as a means to uh, to validate something their position, but maybe there 's more behind it so here to speak with us today is Ari Kruglansky dr. Ari Kr- Kruglansky a distinguished university professor of psychology at the University of Maryland, and we're honored to have him here to uh, help us understand what's behind all the violence. Thank you, Dr. Koglansky. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank
6: you for inviting me. Pleased to be here.
2: This, uh, I thought, was a, a fascinating subject because th- there's more to what's going on with these extremists. They're-, they're really not just trying to validate their religion, per se, it sounds like. They're maybe more, importantly, trying to validate themselves.
6: Absolutely. The, their, their basic motivation is to gain personal significance, and they do so by attaching themselves to a cause, a collective cause, in this case a religious cause. It can be also a national cause, a, a social cause. There is an ideology that justifies the use of violence in, a, in the interest of some social cause. And this uh, lends significance to those who participate in the effort.
2: Huh? And you, you mentioned in your article um, about the idea that there's, there's, three, there's three ends, I think you were calling it, yes. that, that lead to, to what they're really trying to do. Maybe walk us through the three ends Absolutely. that are behind it.
6: Absolutely. The first end is the need. Uh, all human actions are based in some kind of motivation. So the question is, what motivates individuals to risk life and limb, travel to uh, foreign countries, uh, and, and fight uh, in the ranks of uh, ISIS or, or Al-Qaeda? This need, uh, our research suggests, is the quest for personal significance. We all need significance. It's a motivation that psychologists have identified from times immemorial, and the, 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 the need for significance is served by participating in this collective cause. But in order for the need for significance to be channeled toward violence, you need a narrative that, that suggests that violence is the way to attain significance. And that's the, uh, the, the pernicious uh, ideology that uh, uh, terrorist organizations, extremist organizations employ in order to uh, justify violence and recruit uh, individuals who who uh, have this quest for significance uh, to participate in violence and finally the third n is the network we are social human beings Uh, we need uh, people who we respect our friends relatives uh, our leaders to support to validate our uh, approach our narrative so uh, when these three come together the need for significance uh, the narrative that justifies violence in the service of significance and the network that supports that narrative we have a combustible mixture Mm. that results that explodes and results in violence
2: so these 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 younger uh young adults whatever we're calling them i mean i guess it could be really at any age but they're so they must be lacking in the need um, of significance that they just don 't feel like they fit in they, they don 't feel like they 're respected, is that it they don 't feel like they 're revered, so they come from they could be in the United States, but they 're being marginalized
6: yes exactly it 's marginalization. We have empirical evidence that suggests that marginalization and loss of significance, uh, whatever its origins motivates people to attach themselves to a collective cause, and uh, if that collective cause uh, condones violence, that, that's, uh, that's what they will do. Uh, many of these individuals, you, you know, the teenage years, the, the, the young years, are fraught with uncertainty in general. Uh, you, you're not quite an adult. Uh, it's unclear what the future has in store for you. Uh, the, the, the road to uh, making some kind of contribution fitting in society, uh, making a, a dent, uh, having significance, is fraught with difficulty and seems very... Uh, uh, remote, uh, whereas uh, the participation in violence seems immediate. Uh, overnight, you become a hero. You are on the on the road to martyrdom. So this is very appealing for people who feel uncertainty as to their personal significance. Mm. And and, and uh, but it's not only people who uh, uh, are manifestly humiliated and lacking in significance. The the, road to sign- the, the immediate road of significance is extremely appealing because of its immediacy, and therefore you find people who uh, on the surface seem to be doing well, uh, seem uh, to come from middle-class families, seem to have all the prospects, yet attracted to this possibility of greater than life significance being uh overnight uh, like a sports hero or or a movie star uh, celebrated by by their community uh, elevated to martyrdom and so on
2: mm. so um, in fact, in your article, you, you talk about the fact that uh, the attacker, the perpetrator of the Nice attack was in the midst of getting divorced. He had financial problems. His wife refused to see him. He may have been suffering a nervous breakdown. You talk about the San Bernardino attackers uh, where Farouk uh, had been made fun of because of his beard um, and uh, had an unstable childhood growing up. You talked about the Istanbul airport attack. And that attacker had a physical disability with one of his arms. I mean, I guess their needs weren't their, – their, their human need to have significance wasn't being met. But then, then the, I guess the narrative comes into effect because the narrative – couldn't they just have picked up another narrative? Like, great, then I'm going to show everybody I can be a millionaire and just gone to be a millionaire instead of a murderer.
6: Right, yes. But the prospects of becoming a millionaire are much more remote uh, if uh, the, the road to to millionaireship was very clear and, and easy, uh, it may have been very appealing. but mm. you know they are exposed to a, a narrative that tells them you can overnight become a martyr, become a saint, become a hero uh, no no alternative uh, is as promising and as alluring and uh, uh, that 's why uh, you know this violence for a cause has been appealing for uh, to to so many for so many uh, generations this is not the third, first generation uh, to which violence is appealing that violence has had a primordial uh, appeal because of 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 its uh, a kind of natural uh, road to to dominance that it uh, promises uh in the animal world in the evolutionary world dominance violence is is uh, how dominance is established and uh, so it has this very very primitive,
2: primordial appeal uh, as a road to significance. Mm. And it's – so this indoctrination process – and we've talked about it on the show many times – ISIS and and these organizations would then seek after those that don't don't feel like they are significant, that have actually been marginalized, and then all they need to do is slowly drip the narrative that uh, violence is the answer. Yes,
6: absolutely. Uh, however, not only those uh, who, who lack significance uh, are uh, vulnerable. Those who are very ambitious and, and quest significance uh, are also vulnerable because, because of the great promise, the immediacy of it. So, you know, wh- whereas uh, humiliation and 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 uh, uh, bad uh, life situation are definitely risk factors and recruiters for ISIS and Al Qaeda. Are seeking out those individuals. Uh, the danger is uh, broader than that because of the great appeal of this immediacy, great uh, allure of fighting for a cause and becoming a hero. Mm.
2: And you, you know, there, it's immediate. You, you assume once you do damage in a dangerous explosion and, and kill, you know, many infidels, immediately you'll be taken up and martyrdom will be rat- reached. And but. It's immediate, it, but it's also not. It, it's it's not healthy. It's not tested. It's not. But I guess it doesn't matter. They it, they get it, what they it, want. You
6: know, it's all, all all in your mind, right? Right. right. It's, it's in the mind of the beholder. So of course it's never tested because never nobody ever came back from him. Right. <laughs> to 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 let you know how it really went. But that's what they believe. That they believe uh, that they will be uh, celebrated on Earth, and, and there is evidence for that. They are indeed celebrated, and uh, they will be rewarded by uh, meeting the prophet, uh, marrying uh, seventy-two virgins, and all all, all other uh, uh, perks and and, and uh, uh, insignia of uh, honor and respect that they will receive.
2: Mm. What is Is this a new narrative? It seems like a narrative that's been going on for millennia, right?
6: It is. It is. The same narrative, uh, the promise of great significance through violence, uh, has been going on for millennia, and uh, it never loses its allure. The only way to disabuse people of uh, that uh, narrative is to show... Uh, that uh, it does not really lead to significance. And one way is to defeat uh, ISIS on the ground and show that uh, their promises are vain and empty. And the other way is to, pr- to identify alternative routes to significance uh, that uh, promise equal significance to that of violence. Uh, usually this, not, this is not accomplished by simple business-as-usual career paths, uh, because they are not as alluring as a uh, self-sacrifice for a, an ide- a, a ideological cause. Uh, and, and therefore, we have to understand uh, the, the appeal of ideas, the appeal of values, the appeal of virtues for young individuals, and uh, mobilize those in the service of providing an equally meaningful alternative.
2: Mm. And, you know, maybe as a country, quit rejecting them and marginalizing certain groups so extensively. Uh, let's take a break and come back, continue our discussion with Dr. Ari Kruglansky. He's uh, he's walking us through what drives extremism, really, and why to violence. So far we're learning it's the needs of, the, of being personally significant, the narratives behind violence, and also the networks that are created, the three N. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you see how you can be the best in the world. Stick with us. We'll be back. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about extremism and violent extremism, why some people use violence in their quest for significance. Joining us is Dr. Uh, Ari Kruglunsky, And Dr. Kruglanski is a distinguished professor of psychology at the University of Maryland. He also um, is a fellow of the American Psychological Association and the American Psychological Society. And we're honored to have you. Dr. Kruglanski, thank you again for being with us. This is um, this idea of the need, the need to be seen as significant, the narrative that's been created um, of, of violence, violent extremism, and really the, the number one way to create domination and dominance and power and significance is through violence. But then the networks are really important. It sounds like as well. Talk about how we see. Um, how how are how are networks of extremists organizing how are they playing the game a little more aggressively today than before
6: the importance of the network is that that uh, uh, human beings are social in nature and they rely on uh, other people to validate their views and so uh, you know, even though uh, people talk a lot about the uh, lone wolf terrorism uh, in most cases Uh, These are not actually lone wolves, but rather uh, wolf packs.
5: So it's
6: usually a bunch of guys that get together, listen to uh, a narrative, a violence justifying narrative, and together decide and make a commitment to go to Syria, to go to Iraq, to fight, or to perpetrate some uh, attack on on, on their own uh, grounds uh, in the United States or Europe, wherever it may be. But usually, uh, uh, except for a few cases, I mean, some people are less uh, sociable than others, such as Ted Kaczynski, the Unibomber, or Andres Breivik, the Norwegian terrorist. Uh, But most people require the support of a network, and therefore uh, the recruiters try to to create a network by attaching themselves, by befriending uh, potential recruits creating a, a network uh, of friends that uh, together decide to commit to violence.
2: is How is this combated? How on earth? Because it seems like the minute the government steps in to combat it, the government, they don't know the network. It seems like the people to combat it should be the people in the network.
6: Yes, that's very difficult to accomplish. Although uh, the people who have been disappointed uh, the, the returning fighters who have been vetted and found to be uh, actually uh, regretful of having joined uh, the network can be extremely mm. uh, persuasive and extremely credible, more so than uh, governmental officials who actually uh, have never experienced it, have never uh, really uh, gone gone to the to the uh, uh, to the locations and understood the depth of uh, what it really means.
2: Which is why, I guess. Uh, when, when they come back, let's say they go to Syria to be trained and they come back and they are, they're regretting their decision, they're fighting against it, we probably ought not just throw them in jail. We ought to be learning them and using them as communicators.
6: Exactly. The danger, of course, is that some of them may be so committed that they will continue perpetrating violence uh, in their own location. Mm. But I think to determine which is which is extremely important. Uh, I'm uh, traveling to Denmark, a city of Aarhus, where they have a program of counter-radicalization from uh, from uh, the public schools all the way to treating uh, uh, foreign fighters, and I think this is this is a model that our country should also adopt uh, because uh, just by military means alone. We will never, uh, we will never defeat that scourge because it's more than just uh, the question of military might. It's a question of fighting for the minds and hearts of young people and uh, disabusing them of the idea that violence and 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 uh, and havoc is uh, the way to significance.
2: Is how do you see we're I mean doing when we think of a travel ban from seven countries? Um, And Donald, uh, President Trump's tough rhetoric, I mean, he's trying to combat it verbally, but it seems like simultaneously he's just reinforcing the narrative.
6: It's reinforcing the narrative. It's music to the ears of ISIS. It's a very uh, simplistic solution just to, you know, to to employ a, a sheer force. And we have seen over the last 16 years that the number of militants and radicals have uh, uh, have grown uh, rather than than diminished uh, the, the world over. So, so, so we will never kill them all. We will never uh, defeat that scourge through uh, for, uh, brute, brute force alone. And uh, so that's a mistake. Uh, the, the rhetoric that uh, Mr. Trump has employed uh, is is going to be used by ISIS to prove that they were right to begin with, that America is against Islam and also uh, our allies uh, in, in uh, Muslim nations. I just came back from Dubai where we had a World Government Summit. Uh, there, there are many allies of the United States in the Muslim world, and they should take uh, the lead role in defeating uh, the scourge of Islamic extremism. But by uh, banning uh, uh, travel from Muslim countries... Uh, uh, Mr. Trump is insulting those allies and reducing the possibility of international cooperation, which again would be detrimental to the effort to fight it.
2: Uh-huh. Have they been that, – that's, that's an interesting point because uh, it, it really it, w- it should be the other, you know, 33 Muslim-dominant countries that should be taking on uh, th- the – the extremism, um, or I mean, all forty Muslim-dominated countries could be. Is, is it? Have we not? Has, has the U.S. supported that venture? Has the, or have we just kind of fought it single-handedly? Why are we not getting them more involved?
6: Uh, well, they they should be involved on their own. Uh, in in the in the panel that I participated at uh, at the World uh, Government Summit in Dubai, uh, the Muslim speakers. Recognize the fact that that Islamic extremism is primarily a Muslim problem, and they should uh, take the lead of uh, in in fighting it. And so uh, they recognize it. The United States has not been doing much uh, other than engaging in 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 the military attempt to defeat them, Mm. and that has not played out very well, neither uh, in the Middle East nor in Afghanistan. Uh, uh, nor in in uh, in Guantanamo. Uh, so we, we have been really uh, uh, losing the stick, so to speak, in in understanding the the psychology of it all. The fact that it's a social movement that cannot be defeated by force.
2: Right, and it yeah. So we keep mentioning it as a military thing, but in reality, you still have people with a need for significance. A narrative of of aggression and violence and networks that are really designed to radicalize
6: absolutely what do That's we do is, yeah.
2: locally Sorry. i mean what what could i what, what can I do in my area, my neighborhood, my circle of influence to to focus on the needs and improve the narrative and fix the network
6: It has to be done at the level of community, at the level of of uh, schools at the level of treating. Uh, people who uh, are at risk uh, for radicalization through uh, programs, through uh, uh, involving individuals in the fight against the radicalism. Uh, You know, one of the most successful uh, attempts to uh, counter-radicalize people is to engage them in an effort, in an ideologically-based effort, to to fight that scourge. There is a religious rehabilitation group in, uh, in Singapore, uh that is leading the way toward moderation and the the young people who participate in that group are fired up uh, the, the same way as the uh, radical extremists are they're extremists uh, for for uh, for a good cause so i think that that's what needs to be done uh at at all possible levels from 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 the the schools all the way to immigration policies in order to uh inculcate the the, the the idea that violence is counterproductive, and the, the, that young people's energies and and talents have to be mobilized in the, uh, the fight against radicalization.
2: Mm. I, this, I think, you're right about Denmark too. It seems like that's a a pretty good example of because I've I've heard podcasts talking about the fact that you know, 20 or so member teens from a community just disappeared one day and they all went to the Middle East.
5: Exactly.
2: And but then what they did is the, the police officers worked with them as they came back one by one and uh, were kind of put off by what they saw in Syria. To, and, they, and I guess that's what you're saying. Work with them, figure out where they are in the narrative. Are they one that's going to sell the narrative or if they're going to dispel the myth um, and then use them accordingly?
6: Exactly. These are the people who have the experience, who have seen how vain and empty are those promises for significance that, uh, uh, that ISIS is offering. They are uh, very often mistreated, treated as uh, uh, cannon fodder. Uh, they are uh, not uh, respected a great deal. Uh, and uh, you know the, the atrocities that, uh, that they commit uh, can also be used against them in many ways. So one has to understand exactly what their experiences were and turn it uh, into a powerful narrative uh, the, uh, in the effort to uh, counter-radicalize potential recruits.
2: Mm. And we also see the uh, the refugees that are fleeing Syria going now all throughout Europe, and now everybody's treating them like pariah, like they're horrible people? Um, I mean, we're, p- countries are trying to bring him in, but if we're not careful, we're, we're going to create the exact same marginalization.
6: Exactly. It's, you know, we are now engaged uh, in a very serious effort to understand the psychology of these refugees. Uh, so far, uh, we have learned that they are primarily concerned about their safety, their basic needs, safety and security. They are not concerned uh, about ideologies. Uh, but, but to the extent that they meet with uh, Islamophobia, with very negative attitudes on part of their host communities, uh, the countries wh- where they arrive at, uh, this may turn. This may, you know, once they, they, they are secure and they encounter uh, negative attitudes and, and discrimination and disempowerment, they may well uh, turn to violence. So it's very interesting, it's very important to understand the psychology of the refugees and how to uh, how to be able to admit them uh, for humanitarian reasons we, we need to do that without turning them into a potential risk factor
2: mm. it 's so it 's so complicated isn 't it and then in our in our little media society where everybody gets about two minutes to talk about it it 's easy to not tell the whole story
6: exactly it 's very complicated and paradoxical in many ways, and we have to be very sophisticated and nuanced in the way we treat it. No simplistic, uh, banging head solutions would uh, would would uh, do the job.
2: Yeah, bombing doesn't necessarily make get uh, eliminate the ideology, does it?
6: It does not.
2: It probably just makes it more extreme.
6: It makes it worse. Yes.
2: Wow. Well, we appreciate you. This is great insight for us. Uh, Dr. Ari Kroglanski, thank you again so much from the University of Maryland. He's a professor of psychology there, a distinguished professor and uh, complicated folks, yet important that we understand it. Right. Let's let's try to rid the ideology of violence and the need and, and the lack of people feeling insignificant. What if we could just make everybody feel better? Again, mental health issues, those will be there, but let's pay attention to the one and, uh, and work on that and build networks where people are brought into the network instead of pushed out to other extreme networks. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends. You know, wouldn't it just be so much easier if we could just bomb terrorism away? But uh, when you think about it, in the world of social media, the world of so many different ideologies, belief sets, wouldn't it make sense, really, what Dr. Kruglansky was teaching is that it comes down to the fact that if you feel insignificant... And there's an ideology that you can reach immediate significance by fighting against the, you know, the, the mainstream, fighting against the wealthy, the money seekers, the by Hollywood, anything that is anti-God, anti-goodness. Boy, then you can immediately reach a level of martyrdom. Done. Just done. There you go. Problem solved. And then a network that keeps feeding this idea to you. That's the perfect combination. And how do you combat that with bombs? I don't think so. At some point, you're going to have to combat it with people feeling significant some other way. And an ideology, a narrative of some immediate peace that doesn't involve harming everybody else. It would probably involve some inclusion some sense of purpose and a network of people that uh, that care. Boy, that's a whole different way to combat it, isn't it? So be careful. When, we, when you hear about terrorists, when you – I mean, again, the, the whole idea that uh, we all claim to be such a Christian nation and then the minute refugees need help and protection in our borders, we want to kick them out or keep them in but marginalize them with labels and and uh and other categories. So watch out for that. Now one of the things Donald Trump's been uh a lot of uh, people have been critiquing him on is the guy's playing a lot of tr- a lot of golf lately. Lots of golf. Lots of golf.
4: Obama didn't play his first round of golf as president until April.
2: See, he waited a few months. Now, four he months. He played
4: or so. uh, near the White House, indeed. Yeah, near, not the White House, but near D.C. Whereas Trump's flying to Florida. Yeah, well,
2: it's a, he's got a resort, right. Trump.
4: Obama was waiting for the snow to melt off and Trump's just flying to Florida.
2: Now, so so what's the problem with that? I don't see the problem. Well, as
4: this says, um, estimates. We Mm -hmm. don't know the exact numbers, but they estimate that this group estimates that 11.3 million has been spent on Trump for travel and his family and things over the last just in the last month
2: oh is that all you'd think more
4: eleven million President Obama spent an average of twelve million a year on travel
2: well, you mean but more than that right because just sending his wife to Italy right. costs a lot of money more than twelve million
4: well they're talking about you know the security the apparatus yeah. that goes with you because I was all thinking it' about a hundred
2: million a year just for the security for the president that part year. of
4: it is is all kind of has to work into the office yeah right but then there's this extra stuff flying to florida to play golf yeah. You know, when Obama would fly to Hawaii on vacation.
2: Right. Twice a year or whatever.
4: Or whatever it was. Right. His total was like $12 million, mm-hmm. million dollars, yeah. whereas Trump in the first month spent $11 million.
2: Well, and the other weird thing is he's got the, the first ladies living in New York. And that's that's costing super expensive a lot too.
4: just because of the location. Right. The New York City Police Department put out estimates just from the time when he was elected to inauguration it was like $500,000 well, to pay and, for all that. This,
3: would this
2: be a big deal? Be, but Trump made fun of how much golfing was being done by Obama. Right.
4: And then how much money was spent on vacations yeah. and trips and things of this nature. Because and,
2: and, Trump wasn't going to take a lot of vacations.
4: No. He said he's going to work. He's not going to do Which that. he does. But, he does a lot of work at Mar-a-Lago. Well, I don't know. The pool reporter said that there was 14 hours of apparently no work that was accomplished. <laughs> but they didn't let the pool see what was going on. Yeah. So he's not exactly he was, yeah. sure.
2: Oh, well. Okay. Interesting.
4: But I don't know if it's fair criticism, but it is quite a bit more than what the uh, previous president Well, yeah. Done.
2: It's a higher burn rate. Yeah. But you know what? He's a better golfer, apparently. Well, there you Trump, go. Trump, they say, is a guy, like a four handicap. He's a pretty good golfer. Wow. That's where we go. We'll take a break, my friends. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side. Follow
0: Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at one eight five five Chat BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Welcome back, friends. Hour number two of the program. Terry's here. Collins here. Jeffrey, however, is a wall. Not here. He is. I'm pretty sure. I went to Vegas, so he went to Reno. <laughs> That's how it works. Really, the biggest yeah.
4: little city in the world. The
2: biggest little city <laughs> in the world,
3: which I've never understood. I've been. Isn't to Mes- that where we're, uh, the Karate Kids from?
2: Is it? Yeah, probably. I've been to Mesquite and Vegas, and he's like, "I've had it. I'm going to Reno." Wow.
4: Well, well, when are you going? Place to be.
2: When are you going to Nevada? I'm not gonna go to Nevada. Carson City. You could go, maybe just do a quick run through Carson City. That's fine. Okay. I can't do everything. Okay, I'll go there. Hey, we got a lot to uh, talk about today. If if I told you that you could uh, have an immunization that would um, be able to decrease the risk of six cancers, hmm. would you be willing to have that? Yes. Would you?
4: It seems like a no-brainer.
2: It seems like a no-brainer. I'd be
4: willing to do that.
2: Today, we're going to be talking about why parents aren't getting the HPV uh, vaccination for their for their children. Mm. It's not happening. Yet, it, it could help these kids not face HPV-related cancers. So, is there something about immunization? We're going to be talking about it. It's a very yeah. interesting topic coming up. I mean, the HPV is a scary virus, mm-hmm. and you hear more and more about it, but... Ah, we'll get. To, we'll get. To,
4: there were some school districts, I believe, in Texas that tried to mandate it.
2: Yeah, and people there's, fought back. So yeah, there's
3: like a whole PSA advertising campaign about it too. It's a big that I've deal. Seen.
2: But again, you you don't. I mean, every time I take a take a get a vaccination, I'm not sure. I feel like I get sick the next day. Right. Don't know why? Probably because I just a, hang out with the wrong people. Is it a mental thing?
4: I don't know. You get a flu shot, so you feel like you're getting the flu? (laughs) (laughs) I actually get the flu. Well, people do.
2: But I'm sure a vaccination's different. I don't know. Hope so.
4: I didn't get the uh, flu vaccination for about six years. Never got the flu. Really? Yeah.
2: Have you had it lately? Have you had the vaccination? I got a
4: flu shot with my infant daughter. Yeah. I wouldn't say I got the flu.
2: Did you get a little fever?
4: No, not a fever. A little achy? Just my normal... Like winter blase post nasal stuff. Yeah. drip. Yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> well, we'll be talking so to it, way, to a real expert and a cancer researcher. You know, it's it's serious, but it's interestingly it's it helps prevent cancer. Hmm. And if we knew we could prevent cancer and it would work, it seems like we ought to be doing that. So we'll we'll get into that topic: HPV vaccine. Why parents are not getting it. Um, also, today, of course, uh, we'll be talking about a variety of things. As the snow starts to melt, what if you look out in your backyard hmm. and as the snow's melting, you start to find out there's a bunch of dead animals in your backyard? <laughs> Would that mess you up? be A little strange.
4: As a, ah! as a kid, we had a, had a dog. And so when the snow would melt, you'd find a lot of evidence that you own a dog in your backyard under the snow, but not animals.
2: Yeah, this was a dead animal. A family found a dead elk, I believe it was, in their backyard.
4: That was always my chore.
2: To go look for the dead elk?
4: No, when the snow melted, to go clean up the backyard. (laughs) Terry, go back there. Grab the elk. That was gross. It was like, yeah. (laughs) My mom would just look at me and smile and go, hey, it's your turn. Oh. Here's your
2: shovel. Oh, Thanks, Mom. Well, that's a good boy. Good boys do that. You do what your mom says. Do what your mommy says. Uh, actually, it was a dead moose. We'll yeah. get to that fun in the dead minute. Moose. But uh, first, let's hit the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country?
4: Vice President Mike Pence on Monday affirmed the United States commitment to the European Union despite President Donald Trump's previous harsh remarks about the alliance. Today is my privilege on behalf of President Trump to express the strong commitment of the United States to continue cooperation and partnership with the European Union, Pence told the European Council President Donald Tusk in Brussels, Tusk said he received a commitment from Pence on American support for NATO and, quote, the idea of a united Europe. Hmm. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Defense Secretary James Mattis arrived in Baghdad Monday for an unscheduled visit, telling reporters that despite President Donald Trump's suggestions about taking the oil in Iraq, we're not in Iraq to seize anyone's oil what he said. Trump's repeatedly made the suggestion on the campaign trail and as recently as last month said the U.S. could still take the country's oil. Mattis also commented on Trump's immigration ban which initially prevented some individuals who worked alongside with American military from entering the U.S. including the uh, guy in charge of all Iraqi uh, forces in country who they moved his family out of country so they wouldn't be a target from the people that the general is fighting. But once the ban went up he couldn't Go see his family or go to uh, the Special Forces Command Center in Florida. Oh that He boy. goes to consult on what they're doing in Iraq. Yeah. He's like, I can't fly. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here as we're supposed to have this coalition. It's supposed Oops. to be cooperating here on the ground. It's not a ban. So yes, yeah, not a ban. We'll figure it out. Mattis said he's assured that we will take the steps to allow those who have fought alongside us to be allowed into the United States. Huh. So we'll see how that works. Yeah. As, as the... Uh, Revised executive order is allegedly coming out in the next few days. In Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., and more than two dozen other cities on Monday, thousands of people gathered for Not My President's Day rallies, speaking out against President Trump and his policies. This was the fifth day of protests in Manhattan, with demonstrators standing outside of the Trump International Hotel in Portland, Oregon. Dozens gathered late Monday morning and blocked downtown streets, and a handful of protesters were arrested after refusing To not block downtown streets Hmm. Once you start doing that They get kind of uh, Territorial Uh, And finally On a different note entirely Oreo has debuted yet another flavor What? Of cookies for the season
2: Ooh, Seasonal Is this what I
3: think it is? Cookies Peeps I tried it last Uh, night Oreo Peeps I tried them last night
2: They are so good Hold on Better than a Peep? They are so good It's a lot of sugar
4: so you have um, – I saw them at the store also. it's ba- You have your Oreo cookie and then yeah. it's like a pink filling. And- yeah, it's Pe- like a pink marshmallow filling. Yeah, it's supposed to taste like marshmallow peeps. So you know
3: those cookies you get at the grocery store, like the crummy sugar cookies that have the pink frosting on yeah, top? Yeah, yeah. They taste exactly like that. Yeah, so it's just a huge sugar bomb for you. Yeah. To celebrate Easter. One of my – the it.
2: only people I've ever met that loved peeps was a diabetic. <laughs> Type two, right? Yeah, Yeah. actually, type one. Oh, really? But I'm like, well, that'll kill you. She's like, I know, but
4: I just, I just add it. It's only once a year. When people say you can microwave them if they're stale, you can microwave them and then they're yeah, you
2: reinvigorate the peep.
4: Yeah,
3: you're like, "Mm, I don't know if that's food. Have you ever uh, made them fight? (laughs) No. You put like toothpicks in them and put two of them in the microwave and then you just watch them fight because they. (laughs) Wow.
2: Colin, you need a life. Yeah, better. You're right. <laughs> you need a life and a wife. Once you get married, you're no longer fighting peeps. <laughs> right. You're just fighting your wife. Yeah. In to a go-, go, way, of to course. go to date
4: night. If you, if you want right. some uh, sugar-filled goodness and then you wow. peep, there you
2: go. I've never been into peeps. Yeah. But, hey, I'm not above trying it. Yeah. I, I should have brought them in. I have them. Come on, man. What are you thinking? <sighs> Come on. Hey, uh okay, so let's say you're a family that lives in Idaho mm-hmm. and your backyard maybe has three, four, five feet of snow, common. Right. Well, and then the snow starts to melt, and as it's melting, you're like baffled because you see this you see this maybe this ear pop up as the snow's melting. What is that? And you don't know what it is. But as as the more the snow melts, everyone's like, Oh, is it a deer? common. Well, Aaron Lefevre, listen to this, and her husband uh, Landon Lefevre uh, found this discovery that they thought it was a deer that had died in their backyard because they had a small herd of deer that would come around the neighborhood. There was about 12 of them you know, that would hang out. But uh, she then took her binoculars out and as the snow kept melting and melting and melting, she noticed that the the pile that was under the snow emerged and got bigger and bigger and bigger. And what it was was a moose. A dead moose just in her backyard. You could just see it uh, as it revealed in the middle of the snow, the Lefevre said. It was just a big, huge moose. Now, a moose is like the size of a large horse. My in laws used to get moose. Moose and. They're
4: huge. Moosen,
2: yeah, the moose. Yeah, As uh, Mr. Reagan would say. Moose in their backyard, and they are enormous. And uh, then the wildlife people would come and trank it and carry it out. But this one, you know, obviously didn't make it. So what do you do when you have a huge moose in your backyard?
4: Call animal control. Yeah. The, I mean, friends send terrier forklar- out there. And apparently
2: yeah. if it was covered in snow, it was probably frozen solid.
4: Well do, preserved, yeah. Do you
2: eat the moose? You say they're in Idaho? Uh-huh. I just take it back into the garage, cut it up?
4: Some of those – some of, uh, counties differ on laws obviously, but if you find – roadkill. Yeah. You can call the local sheriff. He comes out, documents the roadkill, and you can take it. So, in this case, since it's in your backyard, I guess you could call somebody, hey, document just, that you didn't poach this and
3: then yeah. just take the meat. So or maybe just call Dibs. Dibs, <laughs> it's in my yard. Yeah. yeah. Mine, it's mine. <laughs> it's I, mine. I went to BYU Idaho for a year and we there were moose on campus all the time. Moose? Moosin'. There were moosin' on campus all the time. Many much
2: moosin'? It was weird. Yeah.
3: I love a good moose. Don't we all?
2: And in your backyard. How do you beat that? Uh, The Atlanta Zoo names a cockroach after Patriots quarterback Tom Brady.
3: Yeah. Fitting.
2: More than a week after the Falcons fell victim.
4: I don't think this is what they had in mind. No.
2: To the biggest Super Bowl comeback in history, the Atlanta Zoo named a cockroach after Patriots quarterback Tom Brady.
4: There was a wager between zoos i believe they were going to name yeah. a baby
2: animal so they zoo ended. atlanta versus uh had a bet with rhode island's roger williams park zoo yeah that uh, could then name the baby
3: animal
4: and they just said baby animal so atlanta it's, chose a baby
3: cockroach yeah. cockroach because yeah. it's yeah also it's a hissing cockroach i was trying to find uh audio of it and it was just too disgusting i couldn't
2: Right. I've heard of the audio where they asked the cockroach who his favorite role model was, and it, he said it was his father.
3: Oh wow, <laughs> that's great. That's wonderful.
2: Yeah, really good.
3: I bet he listens to the Matt Times show.
2: Yeah, totally. You gotta love being named after anything, though. I mean, it's an honor, mm. right? Even a cockroach.
4: Wouldn't Tom Brady would visit, go see his namesake?
2: Probably not.
3: He'll outlast Tom Brady. Yeah, he will. He totally
2: will. Uh, no, I had a discussion this weekend about cockroaches because when I was on my mission in Argentina, hmm. we used to freeze them. Oh, nice. And then they would just thaw out and walk away. Yeah. So you would freeze them just to see them come back to life? We would freeze them until they were no longer moving.
3: Wow. My dad went to Argentina too and he wow. told me about how they, you would let mosquitoes land on you and yeah. then start sucking you and then you would – You squeeze it, and they would explode. Yeah.
2: Apparently, once they've got the suckers on. What's
3: up with Bugs in Argentina? I
2: don't know. Wow. It's the place to be. I guess. guess. You know. But we never named one after a quarterback. That's kind of Maybe you
4: should have. That would have been an interesting twist. It's an honor.
2: (laughs) I totally should have. What other headlines do you have for us, Terry?
4: This week in Australia, the Perth World Super 6 is debuting a format never before seen in professional golf. While the first three days of the tournament will be conventional, just your normal rounds of golf, With each 18 holes of stroke play, the final day will feature a series of six-hole matches to whittle down the final 24 to a champion. Wow. So instead of four straight days of 18 holes of golf— Yeah, that's
2: a lot of golf.
4: Which is like four hours each. It's kind of long. Mm -hmm. They lose viewership. People are kind of bored of the format. They're going to go with these six-hole kind of sudden-death matches. Wow. Matches that are level level after the six holes— include the the final, will be decided on a uh, specially built 90-yard hole. Specially built. So you'll play these matches. You'll play six holes. Right. If you're even after six, then you break the tie on a 90-yard hole.
2: It sounds like America Ninja. Sort of. Uh,
4: It goes, should the player still be tied after that, both players will hit a single shot. Whoever's ball is nearest the pin will move on to the next round.
2: Wow. Why are they in such a hurry?
4: Uh, It says, we're trying to appeal to a wider audience, particularly a younger audience, says the chief commercial officer for PGA Tour Australasia, as it says. (laughs) The whole event is based on making it easier to watch for a different demographic than traditional golf fans. This has all been uh, sanctioned by the European Tour, the Asian Tour, PGA Tour of Australia. I mean, so all these groups are looking at it like, we need to make a change in our product if if we're going to get people to watch this anymore.
2: But you, but you still, I mean, these guys still have to fly many, many hours to get there. And now they, then they have just a really fast shootout.
4: Well, this is like the PGA Tour of Australia. Yeah. Oh, oh just, right? the, so just the locals. It's not here in the United I'm like, States. Oh, i this thought the pros were going down there to no, do this. No, this is their local PGA Tour there.
2: I wonder if it'll work. It sounds cool.
4: Know. It says knockout matches would generally take no more than an hour and a half, or hour and a quarter. It's so an hour and 15 yeah. minutes compared with the four hours or so it takes a player to complete 18 holes which is why I don't golf anymore.
2: Well, I wonder if the advertisers like this because it seems like you're going to lose ratings.
4: Yeah, they're calling it cutthroat play.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: You hmm. can like go pirates and – Knock around. Yeah, kind of turn it into more of a monster – A monster golf. truck rally sort of golf event.
2: And this is because the audience, this younger audience like Colin, they, yeah, they yep. just don't focus They just well. don't
4: appreciate the game. They don't appreciate the talent and the skill. They just – What was they, that? I wasn't yeah. focusing
2: on Yeah. yeah. So sad. I wonder if we just change everything. If you watch the All-Star game. Oh, yeah. That was ridiculous. Did anyone defend anything? Shoes were cool. Yeah, really good shoes. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Really good shoes. So if we told you that there was a cure for cancer and all you had to do was get some vaccinations, would you take the vaccinations? Well, apparently not. As of uh, 2014, only 40% of the girls and 22% of the boys had received the HPV, uh, human uh, papillomavirus, immunization. And uh, the sad thing about that, or vaccination, sad thing about that is it could cure up to six different cancers and prevent, actually, sorry, six different cancers. And yet people still aren't getting the shots. (sighs) Stick with us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about immunizations and cancer prevention. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show.
5: Talk about good.
6: BYU Radio.
1: Welcome to the Wheatley Minute, featuring ideas that sustain core institutions, presented by the Wheatley Institution at BYU. Here is former president of BYU-Idaho, Kim B. Clark. Leadership is always and everywhere a moral act because every leader takes the lives of other people in her or his hands and takes action in various ways that affect other people. And it is either for their well-being to improve their lives and help them become more effective and better off, or it hurts them. So it's always a moral act. I'm a firm believer that people can change. Actually, if you think about it for a little while, you'll realize that people change all the time. The issue is, in what direction will people change? To listen to the full lecture or to learn more about the work of the Wheatley Institution, go to wheatley.byu.edu. And listen to the Wheatley Forum addresses Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio.
7: Botany is a little word that incorporates a whole ton of a lot of things. As you walk around where you live, as you walk around campus, because there's some intentionally diverse tree and shrubbery places, as you go up the mountains, what are you seeing? What, you're, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm interested in uh, stepping in your moccasins a little bit uh, okay. as you look around, as you smell around, as you feel around your environment. Discover the world around you by tuning into This Will Take a While for Engaging Conversations, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio.
2: Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, when experts in the field of vaccinations thought that early in their career, one day they'd be able to have a vaccination that could prevent cancer. That was that was kind of a mind blower. Right. That was beyond their belief, their scope. But now there is a vaccine that, vaccine that keeps the risk of developing six human papillomavirus uh, related cancers at bay. But adoption of this vaccine has been slow and surprisingly low. Why? Well, Dr. Electra is here with us this morning to explain the stereotypes built in about this vaccine and to give us some real-time facts about how we can protect our children. Dr. Electra thank you so much for being with us today.
8: Thank you so much for the invitation, Matt. So we have...
2: Uh, a vaccination that could that could dramatically lower risks um, related to the ha- uh, the papillo uh, the human papilloma virus cancers and and we're just we don't have enough people taking the vaccination.
8: That is correct. So we now have a, a vaccine against uh, nine types of human papilloma viruses and. They, some of these viruses, we call them high-risk types, have been associated with six different types of cancers. But um, the recommendation is for children and young adults starting at age 9 and going up to age 26 to be vaccinated. And while the, we've had a vaccine now for 10 years, unfortunately, less than half of girls and less than 30% of boys... Um, are
2: vaccinated for um, HPV. Uh, that's crazy. What's yeah. going on with it? Now va- We've talked about uh, vaccinations on the show, and, you know, they have a a lot of people have fears of vaccinations. There's a lot of it seems like misinformation out there about vaccinations. But talk to us about the HPV vaccination specifically. What is it about the the vaccination that makes it so people aren't jumping on board to, to to take care of this?
8: When it was first introduced, uh, again, about 10 years ago, unfortunately, it was linked to promiscuity, and it was touted politically as, oh, if you give your, your daughter... And, and I, I do need to say that when it was first introduced, it was only approved for girls, but now it is approved for boys hmm. and girls. So when it was first approved... The talk was, oh, if you give your child, your daughter, this vaccine, you're giving her a green light to have Mm. sex, you know, teenage sex. Right. And that is totally not the purpose, the reason that we need to be vaccinated, not only for HPV, but for a whole host of infectious diseases while we're young is that we need to be vaccinated before we're even exposed to any of these diseases. For example, measles, mumps, rubella, chickenpox, all of that. And secondly, our immune system works very well when we are young. And so if we can get vaccinated, build up the immunity before we're exposed, and while our immune system works the best, then we are protected pretty much for the rest of our life, and um, with the HPV series right now we do not have any evidence to say that there is a need for a booster right now we have no evidence to say that Hmm. so um, you know and the protection is very good Um, the other concern was about safety Um, you mentioned people have some concerns about vaccines and so the HPV vaccine has been given to millions of children now, it, the CDC monitors all vaccines, and the adverse events for the HPV vaccine are no greater and no different than what we see for the other childhood vaccines, especially the ones that are given um, at the same time that HPV should be given, which is the meningococcal and the Tdap vaccine. Yeah, in so fact. No, no increase in adverse effects.
2: You In your article, you brought up some numbers about e- even – Even that uh, is the Tdap vaccine still has an 87 percent vaccination rate, which that to me still seems low.
8: Right. Right.
2: Right. I mean, it seems it's because if everybody's not being vaccinated, then then everybody is still at risk.
8: That is correct. And I'm glad you brought this point up because we have to get to a certain level of vaccination against certain diseases in our country to eradicate them so right. we really don't see polio very much anymore right, right. or typhoid you know or things like that is because vaccination and some of the infectious diseases yes um you know improved sanitation you know our water and things like that have cleared it but really you know measles i mean when i was growing up, measles mumps chickenpox everybody got them and n- not everybody did well with those diseases, but because we have vaccinations, we really rarely see those anymore. And the same with polio. Um, and so in order to eradicate these diseases, we have to get vaccination levels up to a certain amount. And, and you know, I always hear, um, you know, some parents will say, well, you know, my child is not going to be like that or oh. my child is not going to be at risk for that. but. Unfortunately, we're all at risk for this. Um, you know, we we have data to say that, you know, nearly 80 million people in the US are infected with at least one strain of HPV. That's one out of every 4 people. And um, you know, there's 14 million new HPV infections that occur each year in the United States among persons aged 15 to 59. And transmission of HPV can occur even without sexual intercourse, for example, sharing behaviors, kissing, things like that. So it's not just, you know, sex that causes the transmission mission of HPV. And, you know, we don't know who's going to get it. So if you don't know, why don't you just do everything you can to protect yourself? Right. And that's by getting the vaccine.
2: Is it, uh, I mean, and it sounds like that more and more types of HPV viruses are being detected. Is that what's happening?
8: Well, um, we th- started out with um, um, a vaccine against four and then two of the viruses. And the, the current HPV vaccine protects against nine different types of HPV. And we think that is, is covering even more that have be, are, are associated with cancer. And yes, we are always finding new viruses and always finding new ones that are associated with, you know, the, the cancers that we know. HPV also causes, you know, warts. It can cause other types of infections. So even if, for example, a woman doesn't develop outright invasive cervical cancer, she can develop precursors to cervical mm-hmm. cancer, um, abnormal paps, etc. And abnormal paps are pretty common in the United States. And the treatment for an abnormal pap Sometimes is not very pleasant and c- could cause some lasting side effects that could compromise fertility, ability to conceive, um, ability to keep a baby, you know, full term, things like that. So, so it's not just you know invasive cervical cancer that we're trying to prevent here, or these other five cancers. There are precursors. That require treatment that are costly and painful and could have other types of repercussions
2: and it's it 's really i guess as simple as uh, a series i think isn 't it of two shots ages nineteen
8: to twenty six okay so so the recommendation just changed, and you know the the sixty nine designated cancer centers in the United States put out a a press release about the change that we support this, and that is that with the new 9-valent that I just mentioned vaccine, yeah. if the child is under 15, they only need two shots six months apart. But 15 and older, 15 to 26, they'd still need the three shots within six months.
2: Hmm. And and really, then, that's, that's introducing a... a, a, a safe bit of the virus into the body and then the body with immunity system would create some exactly counteraction
8: right. exactly right so i was just like you know last month i went and got a couple of shots because i'm going to south africa for an international hpv meeting and and it wasn't live virus that they gave me but i did get a vaccine you know and it's going to protect me. I don't expect to be, you know, in contact with Hep A or 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 typhoid or anything like that. But just to protect myself, mm. I got, you know, that vaccine, and that's what we're suggesting. So, you know, one of the main reasons to for our, these low rates is that when children are going in for their 11 and 12 year old visit, uh, which is the time that we're recommending that they get the HPV. Vi- shot because it can be bundled, as I mentioned earlier, with the Tdap and the meningococcal, the, the, their providers are not regularly making this strong recommendation. So, hello, you know, John, I see Johnny's here today for his 11, 12-year-old checkup and needs some shots, and, and I would recommend the Tdap, the HPV, and the meningococcal vaccine today. Instead, they're saying, you know, there's two they have to get because those two are mandated for school, and you could consider this other one. Hmm. And automatically, by saying that, in the parents' mind, that drops it to, oh, is there something wrong with this vaccine? Yeah. And then what I, what we hear, what we're hearing, and what the CDC is is publishing is that doctors don't feel necessarily comfortable. Then going into the reasons that the child should get the HPV vaccine, and you know, there's a lot of pressure right now for doctors to see a lot of people in a short amount of time, and so there's a fear that they don't have enough time to have this this long discussion with parents. Parents have questions. They you know they get they need to get their questions answered. So the CDC has a wonderful website that that gives you know if the parent says this here's a a response and it's truthful it's factual it you know is to um answer all the questions the parent has in a very succinct manner with confidence and um you know i found that if a physician recommends it with confidence answers the questions the parents have about safety and efficacy then the parent the parents are more likely to get their child vaccinated and it's just 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 really not happening so we're trying really hard right now. We have some programs that we're developing and testing right now to help physicians and help clinics be able to explain the HPV vaccine to their patients um, uh, truthfully, factually, and so parents are comfortable getting their their children vaccinated. I
2: mean, it's not like you're going to the uh, you know to your to get a an oil change for your car, and they're asking you if you want. A certain wiper fluid i mean you're getting it's it's a it's an immunization it's a people need to be better educated than thinking yeah i I'll, yeah let's just not do the h p v this month right
8: right there is a wonderful very short movie if people are interested, they can get it uh watch it online it's called lady Ganga Ganga. <laughs> and it's um it's just a really really moving story um about a woman in the united states who developed cervical cancer hvv related and um tells you know about her quest to educate others and um you know it's it's just really moving and and again you don't know you know if, if you're going to develop a, 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 an infection with hvv you know my mother is a cervical, was a cervical cancer survivor. That was her first cancer. Mm. And she almost died, um, you know, in the 60s when she had her treatment. And I know she would have done anything, you know, not to have gotten cervical cancer. And and it's just, you know, what can you do to protect your children? We all want to protect our children. And this is something, you know, that, that we can do and actually um, protect our children from developing um, these cancers, or even these precursors. No,
2: absolutely, absolutely. Let's uh, let's take a break. We're speaking with Doctor Electra Pasquet about um, really about the the importance of of vaccinations, and when you have a vaccination that could uh, decrease HPV related cancers, nine different types of viruses, six different types of cancers, you really ought to think about it seriously, right? And and make a full-on informed decision because we're talking your fertility, conception, these are your grandchildren, this is your posterity, and to know that it's not just sexually transmitted, it's not the only way you get the HPV virus, uh, just kissing, or even just simply, you know, touching Things can happen, folks, and uh, we need to be protected. Stick with us. We'll continue the discussion up next. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you see and be the good in the world. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show on the line with us is Dr. Electra D. Paskett. She's the Marion N. Rowley Professor of Cancer Research at The Ohio State University and is the Director of the Division of Cancer Prevention and Control in the College of Medicine. Dr. Paskett, thank you again so much for being with us today.
8: Sure, it's my pleasure.
2: And guiding us through this uh, discussion of the HPV vaccine, Why parents aren't getting it. So is it is it vaccinations in general that are the that are that people just don't quite get the, the, the power of? Or is it I guess it sounds like there's something about the HPV vaccine that still has an ugly stereotype of a sexually active child or potentially sexually active child's future would be caught would be affected by that
8: right and um I'm, I think there's a you know still some of the questions about vaccination in general, and then you put on top of it this um, whole um, issue you know that that hBV is a sexually transmitted disease that you know just compounds it, plus people are worried about safety and efficacy, so safety it's safe as I mentioned um, just a few minutes ago, and effective it is. Very effective, very effective in protecting against um, warts, the pre-cervical invasive uh, as well as cervical cancer. it's well, cervical cancer precursors to date. So safe, effective does not um, foster promiscuity we there have actually been some studies done. In California, that have found that girls who got vaccinated are no more likely to um, use um, oral contraception, to have unintended pregnancies, or to have any higher risk of sexually transmitted diseases. So all the markers for increased promiscuity are not there. So um, those are all just myths, and we need to get away from it. This is not about sex. This is protecting your children from cancer.
2: When and you also mentioned that you can get uh hpv by kissing and yep. um also sharing behaviors so so this isn't this isn't necessarily even sexual in nature correct correct the way it could be passed
8: we we have found some studies that have demonstrated transmission by kissing And then um, my colleagues who uh, do a lot of work with um, oral cancer caused by HPV have some sense that some of that uh, transmission is due to sharing behaviors, sharing food, sharing utensils, sharing drinks, sharing cigarettes, things like that. Mm.
2: Wow.
8: I mean, we can't eliminate it. If the virus is in your mouth, then, you know... Any way to transmit it is possible through saliva.
2: Just, I mean, just sharing an ice cream.
8: Could be. Sharing
2: a spoon. It's crazy. It's... Um,
8: we, no, there's a possibility. Yeah. There is the possibility.
2: Is it? And so, and I guess uh, this ends up becoming a problematic because of cervical cancer, but, but talk about all the other p- possible issues, the warts, cervical cancer, anything else that... Um, that the vaccine
8: would would help prevent? Yes, so um, there are uh, several cancers. So we talked about cervical cancer. There's oral cancer. Um, We're seeing more and more oral cancers that are not related to smoking and drinking, and these are HPV-related oral cancers. And and they're treated differently, and uh, a lot of pain, a lot of costs go into that. There are some uh, what's called recurrent respiratory papillomatosis that can be actually in children. So if the mom has an an HIV infection and um, the child is born through the birth canal, the the child could get this uh, respiratory infection. Mm. And then we mentioned uh, general warts and then um we also talked about um the cervical cancer precursors the abnormal paps which um cost um a lot of money to follow up on and not to mention the pain and um the suffering from all of that treatment
2: yeah and the fear of what it might yeah. mean and um exactly. so what i mean it sounds like too the doctors are are afraid somewhat um I don't know, apprehensive of, of speaking about it openly. What, what do you what's that about?
8: I think some of it is they don't necessarily feel comfortable introducing a new vaccine that has been so sensationalized over the past 10 years. They're, they are anticipating questions from parents that they, they think maybe they can't answer. So I think that's that's what we're hearing. That's what we're hearing from doctors. We're also hearing they don't have enough time to discuss this, um, and that's also what the CDC um, data have shown.
2: Do they? Um, I mean, it, it's a health issue. Does it need to be mandated like the other uh, vaccines? Does it? Would mandating it help?
8: Oh, very good question. Very good question. So, currently, um, HPV uh, vaccination is only mandated in two states in the United States, as well as the District of Columbia, and um, it's a real soft mandate, so that if there are any objections on the point of the parent, then they can opt out to get the child vaccinated, any objection, meaning a health objection or a religion religious objection, and so in um, uh, the the state that's doing very well is Rhode Island. But Rhode Island had very high rates, almost 70 percent,
5: hmm.
8: even before they did the mandate, and they did um, a lot of education, and so it was a lot um, uh, better accepted. The other, District of Columbia and the other state did not um, roll it out the same as Rhode Island has. So they've not had um, such good uptake because of all the reasons that I've been talking about so far this morning. There are some other states that have um, education mandates. Uh, and th- some of those states are doing very, very well with those uh, education mandates um, and voluntary vaccination uh, but we still, as a country, are really not where we need to be, and um, there are certain states that have pretty low uh, vaccination rates, especially states more in 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 the South, as well as Utah does not have a very high vaccination rate. Hmm.
2: Is it? Um, I mean, I guess the, the problem is if it's all if it's associated with um, with sexual activity and you're thinking your child isn't going to fall prey to that, then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I don't need that. That's for a whole different group of people. But in reality, too, it's um, th- this seems like this is just, we're on the cutting edge of the research now, right? So, I mean, it seems like we're going to find out more and more about this, so why not do it preventatively?
8: That's correct. That's exactly right. And, you know, if these, these, cancers you know it's almost 30 to 40,000 cancers a year mm. that we could prevent um in our future generations if we were to vaccinate now and you know some of the countries across the world so for example Rwanda has over 90% coverage in girls Australia and the UK they introduced mandated school required vaccines and um they are actually seeing Declines in their the prevalence of HPV infections. They're starting also to see to de- declines in the prevalence of cervical cancer precursors. So it works. It works. And it doesn't take a whole generation to see some of this because, hmm. as I mentioned, the vaccine's only been out for 10 years. Right. This and is they're new. actually seeing some of these.
2: Do you see other cancers that are caused by viruses?
8: Yes. Um, and
2: do you, are we uh, going to eventually have vaccinations for those?
8: We do. So, for example, hepatitis B, that will prevent liver cancer. Hmm. And, um, you know, by the way, uh, hepatitis is also a sexually transmitted disease, and we vaccinate our babies for hepatitis B, and right. there's no outcry about that. And um, where we see liver cancer are um, in some of our Asian immigrants who have not had the opportunity to get the vaccine at a young age. Mm. And so there's a lot of concerted research right now going on to try to do HPV vaccination and screening for hepatitis B in um, the populations who haven't been vaccinated. And it is a major cause of liver cancer. Oh wow. Not only in the US but worldwide.
2: What uh, what advice would you give a parent that's that's still on the fence, that's still hesitant to vaccinate their child?
8: I would say um, you know, we love our children. We we want to do all that we can to protect our children. And vaccinating is one of the ways to protect our children and to keep them healthy we you know we also need to contribute to what's called herd immunity so that other people don't suffer from these types of diseases and and you know if we say our child's not going to be at risk well first of all we don't know what happen- what'll happen in the future second of all we can help to stop the spread by by, you know, being that missing link. Think of dominoes. You know, if there's a hole, none of the rest of the dominoes will fall, right? Right. So we, we need to be that, that hole so that the we don't keep spreading things. So I think those are important things. The vaccine is safe. The vaccine is effective. I've had all three of my boys vaccinated. And, um, you know, it gives me some comfort to know that at least I've done a little bit that perhaps can Help them um be protected from cancer,
2: oh, I love it and I, I mean again it's it's health and and it's it's health to the community it's health to all of us right. well dr. Electra Paskett, thank you again for your time and for being with us, and keep up your great work there at uh, the Ohio State University. We will take a break, my friends, come back and uh wrap up the uh wrap up this hour of the show. It's, it's health, right? It's about our children, our, our families, and uh, we just need to be informed. Just gather as much information as we can, then make informed decisions instead of just winging it. We can't wing long-term health. We'll take a break. We'll be back. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Um, man, so much to do. I was just thinking, boy, so you got to make sure your kids get all their immunizations, which should be easy, right? Because they keep checking on you. Have you got all your immunizations for school? But uh, I don't know if they would have all the HPV stuff on that. So look into it. Figure out, folks. Let's see what we can do to make... Uh, our kids as healthy and safe as they can be. Terry's got some news for us. What's uh, what should we be paying attention to, Terry?
4: On Friday, yes. It was Thursday that uh, President Trump held his press conference. Yeah, it went seventy seven minutes. He critiqued the media and a bunch of other different topics. But immediately after the press conference, they put his uh, reelection campaign put out a uh, a uh, media accountability survey. They called it. it went out to supporters and they're asking should – basically should we continue doing and critiquing the media as we have been so far this past month?
2: Should we keep up the nagging fight against the media?
4: Yes. And uh, the questions were – Worded in specific ways, if you, you catch my idea, the, just they were there was like double negatives in some of the questions. Were they
2: trying to get a certain response? They're
4: trying to push you a certain way. All the, like they'd ask you, "What media do you uh, do you choose to get your news from?" And then they, they list only right wing conservative sources, and then they list other <laughs> oh okay, so you could fill in whatever you want, yeah, so I mean, they did certain things to kind of try to draw you a certain direction. well, um, they just put out it was an email to supporters with a link that went back to their website. That link got out on Twitter, and then all these people were like, hey, let's all take the te- take the quiz, and then the numbers started getting skewed, and then they put out. A, uh, a thing it says in a new email, Team Trump complains that Democrats are trying to sabotage the results of the mainstream <laughs> media accountability survey. Okay, so people were playing with the, with the quiz now, or the. With the since survey. when
2: do presidents do surveys?
4: I know. Um, and then later on that afternoon, Trump's. That's when Trump put out the fake news media, and he put in the in parentheses: New York Times, NBC News, ABC, CBS, and CNN. Fake news is not my enemy. It's the enemy of the American people. <laughs> Which caused an entire weekend yeah. of questions about, um, are American citizens the enemy of other American citizens? You know, those types of questions. Yeah. And it was just kind of interesting that they thought they could put a, a survey out and then only their supporters would jump on and use that. It's, wow. It's, That's it's called the open survey internet, bias. Right? So the survey was completely knocked off. But the whole point is at the end they want your email <laughs> and what donation you would like to make to the campaign.
2: Well, isn't this interesting when you consider that th- his right-hand man, his senior advisor, is a right-wing media source? Yes. It just I wonder where Trump's getting these ideas. Not sure.
4: And also, uh, apparently, Donald Trump is buying up a lot of uh, website domains. Okay. He has 3,643 of them that wow. he has secured for himself. Uh, the Trump Organization has. Many of them are TrumpEmpire.com. Uh, They've also bought TrumpFraud.org and TrumpScam.com.
2: TrumpRific.gov.
4: Uh, TrumpNetworkPonzieScheme.com. Trump TrumpMustGo.com. <laughs> um, just a bunch of NoMoreTrump.com they purchased. Now, they're purchasing <laughs> ones they could use and also doing it so they're blocking people from using yeah. those for other purposes. Wow. This is a waste of money. This writer went through and uh, put up a bunch of uh, – 10 more ideas that have, as of uh, 9 a.m. Eastern on February 21st were free. It's still available uh, a trumpnopuppet.com trumplovesvlad.com dot com trump dot com uh dot com trump forty six percentcom dot com and this one trumplostthepopularvote.org. dot org those are all available if you'd like to make a website bigly the last one
2: trump lost the election bigly dot org
4: but people do that because you want to tie up yeah. um, well first off you want your name Right. And sometimes you'll Own see it. someone run for office and their name is not available. And so they have to go for something else. And so you wanna you oh, wanna make sure you heavens. tie down your brand.
2: Well, I mean there's yeah, there's going to be a point where you just can't afford it anymore. Right. Unless you're a millionaire. You there's about three thousand of them. Unbelievable. Okay. Interesting stuff, folks. See, giving you the advice you need. Go get every URL you can pick up with your name on it. Bigly. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend show. Stick with us.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
5: Your
1: guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at DrMattShow.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This
2: is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr.
0: Matt Townsend.
2: Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Happy Tuesday to you. Uh, Jeff Simpson is out. He's in Reno. The little biggest little city in the world. There's a Johnny Cash song about it. I Met a yeah. Guy in Reno. Yeah. I spent a week well, there one night. didn't meet
4: him. It was something else. He went to prison. But it's a different <laughs> song. Go
2: ahead. Reno's a great town. And um, again, I've visited Vegas and Mesquite. So Jeff wanted to visit Reno. And I think Terry's on his way to Carson City. Nope. Why not? Nevada. Come on.
3: <laughs> it's right next door. I know. We'll send it's Colin. It's, He'll go. I'll go. He's got nothing going on this
2: weekend.
4: I don't I don't travel. <laughs> Me, me driving to work is like the most travel I do ever. Really? Yeah. But you do it every day. Well, yeah. But I don't travel further than that. Too like, much work. It's huh? like forty miles. If you tell me something's like forty-five miles, I'm like, oh, come on. Ugh. Really? Never drive. What do you, you expect of me? What? It's too much work. Oh, I'm not a machine here. What is this? Yeah.
2: We got a great show for you. If you are a parent, we'll be we'll be going through some parenting hacks, life hacks. Mm. How to just little tricks. Duct tape. Of the parenting world. No, no duct tape, tape, no lightsaber beatings. What would mm -hmm.
3: MacGyver do? And
2: no Benadryl.
4: Not the new MacGyver, the old
3: MacGyver. Old MacGyver, the mullet. Oh, is there
2: a new MacGyver? Yeah, you don't need to worry about it. Okay, good.
4: It's it's going to continue on because people, for whatever reason, will watch anything apparently because it's horrible. Really? But, uh, yeah, it's on TV.
2: Um, I was this close to going to see Lego Batman.
4: Ooh, but you didn't. You resisted.
2: Why? Well, because we saw Lion oh. instead. Okay. Well, and how was Lion? It was incredible. Great. It really was good. Yeah, it's sad. It's just sad. Was there?
4: Good. Was Lobster Thermidor like featured in Lion? No. No. Oh. It was featured in the Lego Batman movie.
2: Yeah. No. <laughs> Different. He uh, ate
4: quite a bit of lobster Thermidor to he, the point where I had to look it up to see what it was. I'm like, really? It's like a stuffed lobster?
2: That's mm, gross. <laughs> sounds fantastic. Could be. Lobsters are bugs, right? We, we, yeah,
4: yeah. They're like ocean
2: bottom, bottom feeder, feeder Bottom <laughs> feeder <laughs> bugs. Oh, well, let's eat this. Nothing wrong with that. Why not? We'll get to, uh, to the exciting lobster Thermidor <laughs> definition in a bit. Um, plus... <laughs> parenting life hacks with julie k nelson the bomb mom she'll be joining us also be visiting our good brother and be from byu sports nation find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour at a hero story all of this straight ahead but first to the headlines with terry south terry what's going on around the rest of the country when vice president mike pence traveled
4: to munich and brussels over the weekend many foreign leaders were hoping he would provide them with some clarity on president donald trump's stance on various international issues What do you think, Matt? What do you think the outcome of that was?
2: Clarity? I think he, yeah, he probably didn't create a ton of clarity.
4: Says instead, what they got was boilerplate reassurances about United States commitments while Pence was talking to world leaders. Trump was in Florida at what he called a campaign rally criticizing NATO, which he called obsolete during the rally.
2: But then Pence is saying, reassuring NATO, we're with you.
4: And seemingly suggesting that Sweden had been the victim of a non-existent terror attack. People were not reassured, says Daniela Schwarzer, the director of the German Council on Foreign Relations. As she was talking with the New York Times, they think that Trump is erratic and incalculable. We also want to hear what he would, uh, we all want to hear what we want to hear, but everyone knows that any Trump official could be gone tomorrow or undercut in another tweet. Huh. So anything Mike Pence says, Trump could just, and apparently around the same time he was, in
2: fact, undercutting Pence on what he was trying to tell NATO. It's almost like, you know, Trump's got his own view, but yeah. then the rest of his cabinet kind of have the regular worldview.
4: Or something closer to yeah, closer that. to yeah. the realm, yeah. Yeah. So speaking okay. of Sweden, yeah. as we talked about, President Trump made some comment about uh, what happened in Sweden last night
2: that apparently the Swedes don't even know about.
4: Yeah, and they were like, nothing happened last night. Well, just uh, two days after President Trump provoked widespread consternation, by seeming to imply incorrectly that immigrants had perpetrated a recent spa- uh, spat of violence in Sweden, riots broke out in a predominantly immigrant neighborhood in the northern suburbs of the Swedish capital of Stockholm. Uh-huh. Over four hours, the crowd burned a half dozen cars, vandalized several shop fronts, threw rocks at police. Police spokesperson confirmed to Sweden's uh, local newspapers that an officer fired shots with intention to hit a rioter but did not strike his target. A photographer for the newspaper was attacked by more than a dozen men, and his camera was stolen. But ultimately, no one was hurt or even arrested. Wow.
2: So unrest. Unrest. Now, but why are they mad? I don't know. Because it doesn't say, I thought nothing happened there. So why would they need to have?
4: Again, we have differing opinions, differing stories. Mm. That was out of the Washington Post. Yeah. And they pulled it out of Sweden's. Uh, Dag, I'm not even going to attempt the name of that newspaper. All right. uh, moving on, NASA has called a major press conference for Wednesday to reveal a quote discovery beyond our solar system. Ooh! The space agency says the secretive event will present new findings on planets that orbit stars other than our sun, known as exoplanets. It raises hopes that NASA could reveal details of exoplanets capable of holding life. NASA has confirmed that scientists who use infrared telescopes to decide if a planet's atmosphere can sustain life or not will be in attendance. Ooh. So that could be a clue. Have we found a planet?
2: With life on it. That
4: could sustain life, possibly.
2: (laughs) Oh, this is getting exciting. exciting.
4: In other news, the Pope has warned young people that texting at the dinner table could be the first step on a path to war. Really? That's what he said. In an improvised... Hold on, President Trump texting? Or anybody? It just says the Pope. As he says, young people texting at the dinner table could lead to war. At an improvised speech... At a university, the pontiff warned against the death of face-to-face conversations. He called on young people to get off their phones during family meals, saying it could have dire consequences for society. Pope Francis said, when we're at the table, we are speaking to others on our our, uh, telephones. It's the start of war because there's no dialogue. The 80-year-old also chastised juniors for their lack of manners. He added that it appeared standard in today's society for people to insult strangers. We need to lower the tone a bit, speak less, listen more. And he added that dialogue which brings hearts closer is a medicine against violence.
2: Wow. Listen to the Pope.
4: Yeah. He knows what's up. Improvise. So that would be considered a rant.
2: Yeah, totally. And finally. Yes.
4: Pluto might get a second chance of being a planet. A group of NASA scientists has submitted a request to the International Astronomical Union to broaden the definition of what, it, what classified as a planet. If the new definitions were to win the approval, Pluto presently considered a dwarf planet and 109 other space objects would become planets. Wow.
3: <laughs> Our solar system just increased a lot. There's
4: three different uh, requirements to be considered a planet. right? And Pluto met one of them, I think. So that's why it was dropped out.
2: Poor Pluto, though. But,
4: and so but if they change the definitions, one hundred and nine other objects in our yeah, solar system would be included, that. so no. they wouldn't be considered I mean
2: my kids so. can barely memorize all of the other names of planets. It's just so yeah. much work. So did you see this lady speaking of other planets, did you see this lady, a heroic waitress, drags a monster gu- guana lizard from the restaurant? We'll be posting this on our Twitter page, at Dr. Matt Show. A six-foot-long lizard in New South Wales, Australia, it it had somehow gotten into this restaurant, and so the waitress went and grabbed the lizard by the tail and dragged (laughs) this thing that looks like a crocodile – Basically.
3: It's, it's Australia. They do that all the time. No, I don't know. No. They're just like, oh, what is this doing in my restaurant? Just they just pick it up and get it's, out of here. It's crazy. This
2: thing is <laughs> it, I guess it eats daddy long legs and anyway. But it's um it's a it's a it's a monster. It's a big lizard and she grabbed it by the tail and then it's kind of a spectacle because it's hard to get a six foot lizard out of a restaurant gracefully. You know, True, what I mean? without truly. You know, without I, it whipping around or biting someone's ankle. I would
4: suggest lifting with the knees. Yeah, always lift with your legs, yeah. not your
2: back. You don't want to strain.
4: Yeah, just make sure you do that. You
2: don't want to strain your back. Um, crazy deal there. By the way, uh, a man was arrested after police say he stole a van from a Southern California mort- mortuary. Oh. Right? You just right. get in, steal the van.
3: Dude, where's my car?
2: But the problem is the van had a dead body inside. Mm, that and, complicates uh, things. The funny thing is they then returned it and stole a different van from the same business.
3: Ah, well, you know. I don't want this one. I want this hey, one. Want
2: this one. one's got a body in it, so we're going to take the other van. <laughs> Riverside Police Officer Ryan Railsback says a mortuary employee was nearly run over as he tried to stop the man as he drove away the second time on Sunday with the with the bodiless van. Uh, Railsback said an officer investigating the theft of the first van chased the second van for more than two miles. The suspect was arrested and could face charges, including vehicle theft. Police didn't immediately release his name. Stealing a body isn't included in his list of charges. Oh. I mean, that was nice. Yeah, right. because you returned they, it. They cut him a deal. Yeah, you take the body back. You look, I mean no harm. Just give me another van without a body.
4: Hmm. That's all I want. There was a woman near my home that stole a uh, fire truck oh, how'd that last go? week. She drove it less than a mile and then ran inside a pharmacy and hid in the men's bathroom.
2: Well, how'd that turn out?
4: They walked in the men's bathroom and arrested her. <laughs> no word Blasted. on. First you off, can't they come were, in here. People were like, "Why is the? Why are the fire engines? Why are they just idling in a parking lot? Because they they don't turn them off. Right? Yeah, The right. Fire engines are on. Right. Well, the reason is they don't. It takes a second to turn the yeah, fire they, engine on. Get and then you want to have all the the pumps primed if there's some sort of fire right, somewhere. You got to keep that
2: thing on. Normally, they, you'd keep the engineer in the truck. Yeah. Well, they didn't. Apparently, this time, they all needed to go in I'm seeing a policy change along the mm-hmm. entire fire department, but she
4: uh what they're amazed at is someone was able to hop in a fire truck and just take off driving it
2: yeah they're they're not easy to drive
4: no so somehow she had some prior experience or maybe like how do you take the lucky. air brakes
2: off how do you do See, that? now?
4: Now, for someone like myself... Uh, you could do it. Well, I play video games, right? I've, I've driven <laughs> like garbage trucks. Airplanes. I've driven airplanes, Rocket launchers. All kinds of things. So I can drive fire trucks. I've done that. I've put out fires. I drove taxi cabs and police cars. It doesn't matter. Tanks.
2: I've done then, it all. Here's the deal. Means right?
3: You can steal it. You can drive it. That's, that's just sad.
2: What's sad? That you've done all of that. I have and experience. That you never left your recliner. That's awesome. I've actually driven a fire truck. I've actually well, yeah. put out a fire.
5: Well,
2: I've actually done CPR on people. Yes. I've but, saved but lives outside you, of my chair. Did you get points for it? No. See? Exactly. You didn't level up. That's what, That's doesn't what count. we got you. <laughs> there used to be a day that you actually – it only mattered if you actually did it. Nah. But now you level up and you get yeah. points. Yeah. So, so sad. I'm in the NBA.
4: Yeah, he's in the NBA. I'm in
2: the, I'm in the NFL. How tall are you? How tall are you, Colin? I'm um, six one. Not even.
4: I am six one. Six and a half. I can be <laughs> Batman and Lego Batman.
2: Gosh, this is what's wrong with the world. This is, this is what mind. the Pope was talking about. Yeah, because you people want to put your phones down. Right. This is why we're going to end up going to war, and Could then be. all we're going to have is a bunch of people that says, "I can blow him up," but you don't even know how to handle the, a gun.
4: Well. You do. Not in real life. They're pretty good simulators for those games.
2: (laughs) Oh, it's so sad. But in a good way. Okay, any other headlines we need to be paying attention to? Do you eat Skittles? I do, yeah. You do? Are there certain flavors you don't like? No. I like the cornucopia. I like to just throw them all in my
4: mouth. Some people, the writer of this article, he likes uh, tropical Skittles.
2: Oh, okay, yeah.
4: He says, in fact, they are my jam.
2: Okay. Right. okay, he makes yeah. them into jam? He
4: doesn't like the yellow ones.
2: Too that's lemony?
4: It's banana berry. Oh, uh, yeah. And so he thinks that's kind of a gross uh, flavor. The problem is is he's enjoying a bag of Skittles. He doesn't want to have to go through and pick out every single yellow right. Skittle.
2: Right, Why should you have to? It just seems... Uh, it seems like a day... If, if Pluto can become a planet, then not, then become a planet again. Yeah. We ought to not have to pick out our Skittles. So
4: William <laughs> Willem Pennings, a Dutch inventor, feels the pain of this author mm. after seeing a color sorting machine years back pennings decide or pennings decided to create one of his own and use it for the ultimate good to short, to sort out the horrible skittle flavors so we don't have to eat them wow innovative so he has this machine It also works with M&M's, but Mars has already confirmed that color doesn't impact taste because all M&M's are chocolate, right? Yeah, right. And some candy-coated shell that has no flavor. Skittles, it's a
5: concern. It matters.
4: It's an issue. So over a five-month period, the mechanical engineering student dropped nearly $537 to create a uh, steam engine. A machine uses the RGB sensor to recognize colors Hmm. and sorts the candy. Once identified, a wheel rounds them out into separate bowls. Currently, it sorts about two candies a second or about two to three minutes for an entire family-sized bag of Skittles. (laughs) So he is solving a problem that people have.
2: That a person has.
4: Yeah. Well, this one guy. Yeah. This one guy is solving a problem that he has. Yeah. He doesn't like certain flavors of Skittles, doesn't want to manually go through and by hand sort them so he has a machine do it for him
2: what is happening to us is he just too <laughs> lazy smarter.
4: to just eat it or to pick it out himself no it, usually those types of things end up being someone who go do you think i could do that and then they do it
2: so a sorting machine cost him five hundred dollars yeah. but if he mass produces it he'll be able to probably get it down to a hundred dollars could be then you could just sort skittles all day yeah
3: absolutely See, and back, M&Ms. Back that could lead Pope. to
2: world peace. Back to the Pope. It's the exact same problem. <laughs> the Pope is totally. Don't right. sort
3: Skittles at the dinner table. We're wasting table. our lives.
2: Is that what it is? We're wasting our lives worrying about sorting Skittles. Mm. We could be curing cancer, right? We could be changing and creating world peace, but no. But
3: I don't like the yellow ones. Mercy. Yeah.
2: Okay, well, let's forget that. We'll take a break, come back. Uh, The Bomb Mom will be joining us. Julie Nelson will be here giving us some parenting life tips. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show in studio with us, Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom, we call her. Uh, She's the bomb and a mom. And today she's going to be talking to us about some parenting life hacks. But uh, she's a professor at Utah Valley University, teaches parenting classes, marriage classes. She's married herself to one gentleman and has five kids.
0: Five kids, yeah. Five beautiful Only gifts. Only one left at home, and I've got a grandson now.
2: See, so you've made it through the parenting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chaos. At one, at
0: one point, I think I had four teenagers. Wow! All at once, yeah.
2: Yeah, I have,
0: and I'm still alive.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's hard. Uh huh. I have four. I have three and a half right now. Right now? Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, I have a twelve
2: year doing? old up to a nineteen. Right. Year
0: that's old. kind of how I was. And how are you doing? Great. No sleep though, right? You thought you were going go to get I go to
2: sleep early. They <laughs> they all stay up. I bet at 9 o'clock, I don't know what it is, my uh, my medicine starts kicking in <laughs> and then I just put my earplugs in and go to bed.
0: They're like, let's let's put daddy to bed and let's yeah. have some fun now. They really do. So it's your wife actually raising the kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: It was sad. Like they're all having a good time and I'm like, good night.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just be real about it. Mom's doing all the and work. And then
2: they just wheel me into bed <laughs> and hook me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. So, what are? I mean, we need the, as many little tricks to get through parenting as we can. Yeah,
0: I think we should make the job easier than harder. Yeah, right.
2: So, what are? What life do we do? Where enough. do we begin?
0: Life is hard enough. Let's just do some life hacks for parents that yeah. really help parents so they can actually, you know, get some stuff done, survive, and not make it harder, right? And messier. It's hard. Yeah, and screamier. <laughs> Okay, so here's one. Did you ever get toys, um, like, you know, well-intentioned bo- uh, purchase for your child, a little tr- truck or something that would make a little musical sound or something? Yeah. Yeah? And then by the third day, you're about ready to jab your eyes out. Try to just,
2: destroy that truck.
0: Yeah, because you're, it's going to make you go crazy. So you put duct tape over the little speaker thing on it and it diminishes the sound. Oh. It. Only the little child can hear it. Yeah. Really soft. So there's, d- not, there's not a volume on those things. It's no. always just one, one. So if
2: you put a little duct tape on the speaker, then mm-hmm. it's like only the dog can hear it, and <laughs>
0: maybe the child and your child the, high, the high-pitched pe- noises. Yeah. yeah, and then you can go along. That's nice. And then want to still be alive.
2: Does it make it so you don't step on it in the middle of the night?
0: Oh, no, sorry. You got to. Yeah, that would be the um, those reflective tapes. Yeah, you got to <laughs> get
2: reflective duct tape. So there's number one. That's yeah. a good one.
0: Uh, Number two, you want to go outside. I don't know for those of the listeners who live where there's snow. We have a lot of snow here in Utah. Did you
2: hear up in Idaho they found a moose in their backyard that had died but they didn't know it until the snow melted. (laughs) It's like a horse.
0: Oh, man. I believe it. Um, Yeah. So uh, you want to build a snow fort with your child. Okay. Here is what you do. You get those Tupperware uh, rectangular containers. Right. And you pack those and those become your – Cubes to make your snow fort. Bingo. You know, like kind of like when you do a snook a castle, a sand castle at the beach. Yeah, it's the same idea.
2: Just build, just use those as the brick it's makers. The br- brick makers, the forms, the brick mold. The forms. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's okay, a good idea. so
0: now have you ever given a child a popsicle and just dro- just uh, just melts all over yeah. their hands? Yeah, you always send down them outside. Their hand, down, right. Yeah, you send them outside. So you get those little cupcake liners, uh-huh. and you just poke a, through the.
2: Through the put put the stick through the liner through the and it's, the liner. it'll just conti- it'll catch all the juice. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: Well then, well, then what will the child do to ruin your couch? <laughs> How and will then they send
0: him outside? Right. <laughs> Um, okay, so at least they don't get that sticky down their yeah, arm. that's what they, a great they, idea. They don't like that. Why you know? don't they
2: think of that? That's yeah. brilliant. They
0: should do, somebody should make that up and bake that part of the popsicle container. Totally. Mm-hmm. No brainer. Right. Or maybe like a coffee filter ID. You know, something, something to yeah. catch it, to catch it. Right. Okay, next one is, okay, another messy parenting thing. You give your child a hot dog. Yeah. And so you do bun, hot dog, and then what? Ketchup mustard yeah. on top? OK, you're asking for trouble there because you have much ketchup and mustard on the top. You do bun, ketchup, mustard, then hot dog.
2: Interesting. So you're plugging you're, – you're keeping the ketchup and the mustard in. The
0: oozing is on the inside right. rather than the outside. They don't get all over their face as much and it's not going to drip all over as much. Or you
2: could just spread it on the bun. Right. If you spread it on the bun … yeah. Instead of just squirting it on the bun, Uh just spread it and it's not going anywhere.
0: Right, right.
2: Or just don't give your kids a hot dog and they might live longer. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not saying you shouldn't but if you want them to live longer.
0: I had a a, a parent who – she had lots of kids and she was trying to uh, save herself some time and her life hack was – this is disgusting. I didn't put this on my list because it's so gross to me. But she, instead of doing peanut butter on one side, jelly on the other, you know, and do that yeah, you yeah. Know, repetitive thing, she just made a big container of peanut butter and jelly mixed together. She just mixed it all into and one it's just, goo. It's just one thing, and you just do it once. Yeah, it was brown What's because wrong with she because yeah. she used Concord jelly, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. was disgusting looking. Like yeah. your kids really like to eat that, but that was her hack. Okay, it's anyway, a good hack. Yeah, if you if you like, if you're that. into brown. If you can keep your stomach from all yeah. Okay, um, next one. This is a great parenting life hack because, you know, you got your nice candy. You don't want the kids to eat the whole stash. Mm-hmm. Or you have candy that you just want for yourself. It's just kind of mama's candy. Right, or daddy's candy. Yeah. So you get like the edamame or the wheat thins box. Yes. You take everything out of it and you put the candy inside.
2: That's brilliant. No one's there, going near there the are, wheat thins. There are no one
0: going through the edamame or the wheat thins right. box. So you're really, you know, Tricking them because they think it's really the healthy box yeah. the stuff inside and it's really your candy.
2: That's a great idea.
0: They'll never find it.
2: They – no. Kids, mm-hmm. no. Right. But you know what? If you get certain kinds of candy, the kids won't touch it anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Which ones were your –
2: Like Almond were? Joys. Mm-hmm. Our kids would never go near. Because there's
0: actually something healthy in there. Yeah. In the almond. Yeah. So yeah. Like bruh. Ugh. Yeah, or they p- mine would pick off the almond, throw it away, and they eat the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, this happened to me a lot. Okay, you have a child who always pulls off their diaper, or they strip naked all the time. Yeah. Okay. So they have like those little onesies that they wear. You know the zip right. up ones. okay? Well, these you can't do the ones with the feet with the feetless onesies. You turn it around and you put it on backwards.
2: Oh, that's like a straight jacket.
0: Exactly.
2: That's good. That'll help them they can in never the future. Reach, they
0: can never reach the zipper to take off their clothes, to yeah. take off their diapers, to run stripped naked down the down the sidewalk.
2: Right? And you know what else is fun is if you pull their hands, their arms out of the sleeves and then just tie the sleeves behind their back.
0: <laughs> That's really straight. Jacket. Then
2: it really is a straight jacket.
0: <laughs> okay, here we go. Next one.
2: So sad.
0: This one is probably out of all of them my favorite because what? you'd think that fifty percent of the time your children would put their shoes on the right feet. You, you know, think it's, so? It, it's right. like probability, low yeah. probability. But my kids. Always, probably 80 to 90%. They struggled with it. Had, are they dyslexic with shoes or something? But they always had them on the wrong feet, switched. Yeah. Like, does that not feel weird to you in your, you know? (laughs) No, never mattered. I was just like, oh, can we switch your shoes, please? It's fucking me. But, so what you do is you take a big sticker and you cut it in half. Like, let's say it's going to be, you know, a,
2: a... a, a
0: happy face. Yeah. Okay? Cut it in half. The left half of the sticker goes in the sole, the inside. On sole, the left uh, Of the, le- of the oh, shoe, inside shoe and then the right one. So when they see the shoes, they come together. They, you look at it and there's the sticker in the right. You know, they couldn't confuse it. That's anything. a great so it's idea. it's visual because they can't tell yeah. the shoes apart. Right. Right, left from right. So use a sticker to do that for you.
2: That's great.
0: OK. Next one. <sighs> Another one that drives me crazy. You put in socks. To wash them, and they come out, and their their mate is gone.
2: I know. Where did the mate go? All
0: right. There's something in heaven going on. Where all they're all mating up there.
2: Yeah. Uh huh. I think it's the I think it's the elf on a shelf.
0: <laughs> he's taking them all. I
2: think he's trying to see what you'll do. He's
0: creepy anyway. Yeah. I don't trust the elf on the shelf. I
2: don't trust anybody that watches me from a shelf. <laughs> right. <laughs> it bugs me
0: so you get a la- mesh laundry bag folks and when you take off the socks of your baby or your kids they throw it in the mesh bag then you tie up the bag with the drawstring that's a and great you idea the whole thing in the laundry and then it that all is together. a wonderful
2: idea I had friends that used to pin them together oh, oh you could do that it's a lot of work
0: yeah just throw them in a mesh and then wash them all together and they're always there together okay next huh. one I had kids who were afraid of going to bed
2: why did, That's heaven.
0: You didn't – oh, but what about your kids?
2: No. You, you know what? You throw a little Benadryl in their bottle. <laughs> gone. <laughs> night nine
0: OK. That was my parenting life hack when I took trips in the airplane.
2: Benad- I gave them Benadryl in their yeah. bottle.
0: Yeah. and knocked right out. Sure. That's a great life hack for traveling.
2: Just in case they got some – But
0: every night, Matt, in your house, you're dragging your kids up. Uh.
2: Just getting them started. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so you, what you do is you get a spray bottle – and it's a clear one and then you put like a uh, you know like a food coloring in it and then maybe some a little bit of scent like some essential oils and yeah. then you, call, you label it monster spray <gasps> monsters can't stand this it's a repellent kind of like a bug repellent yeah and then you have them spray it around their room before they go to bed
2: but doesn't it stain everything <laughs> <laughs> no no
0: it's a tiny bit just okay and then it's, it's, a it's all psychological stain. And then they can go to sleep and they're not going to be worried that there's a monster in the room. And if they feel like it's going to come back, then they just have it next to their bed and then they spray it again.
2: Wow. Yeah. it's a lot of work. I've just realized that –
0: That's no work. You just make a spray bottle. No, but what you do – It's a lot more work to go in there with a child who won't go to sleep because there's monsters in the room. That's what's work.
2: But if you're really an intimidating parent, Uh then you just tell your kids, look, the monsters are just as afraid of me as you are. (laughs) <laughs> so go to bed, or I'm gonna get you. You just scare them to bed. Yeah. Let's take a break. Um, these are great life hacks they and really parenting. They're my favorite of all. The I never, I had never thought of you know using. Monster creating spray. a fake monster spray. Yeah.
0: It's all psychological. You're a psychologist. This yeah. makes total sense, right? It totally does. Yeah.
2: I thought you were going to squirt them like you squirt your cat. <laughs> if you don't let go to douch, bed, I'm going to squirt you. <laughs> no. That's really good. It's like,
0: it's like air freshener, Febreze, whatever. It's like you know? Febreze. Yeah.
2: I just use Febreze on my kids <laughs> and they smell good and it kills the monsters. Yes. Good stuff. Julie Nelson's her name. Go check out her website, a spoonful of com. More parenting hacks when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends. The Matt Townsend Show in studio with us, Julie K. Nelson, also called the Bomb Mom, the Child Whisperer, and now the Child Squirter. She squirts her children with monster...
5: You
0: squirt the room. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the air. The air.
2: You squirt... You, you, you dampen the child with a little light mist <laughs> so that the monsters don't eat the child. Today, we're talking about parenting hacks, Things that we can do as parents to, uh, you know, to make parenting a little easier.
0: Yeah, to not complicate our life and to make children so that they can have a little bit of more independence and not ruin our lives with their crazy,
2: crazy childlike crazy, behavior. Yes,
0: how dare they be
5: kids?
2: <laughs> These are – it's really great information. Uh, you taught us to mix um, jelly with peanut butter oh. and it makes a brown mush that's – you know, looks horrible, but tastes fantastic. Saves you time
0: in the morning making PBJs, I guess.
2: This is great, but these yeah. are great hacks. What are some other things we can be doing as parents?
0: Well, have you ever sat at the table and then you are like, okay, that cup's going over. That child, you know, they knock it over yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, they knock it over. You just know, it's going down. Well, you have, you know, the sippy cup thing, mm-hmm. right, for a while. But after a while, you know, a five-year-old can't use a sippy. Well, cup. Well, a twenty-year-old you know, shouldn't be yeah, using a sippy cup. Yeah, I mean, I, they gotta graduate at some point to right. a cup cup. Well, one thing you can do um, if a child's prone to knocking things over is take your um, plastic wrap, you know, the stuff that's really um, cling, like clingy. The saran, yeah. Yeah, the cling stuff. And you put that over the top of the cup, stick a uh, straw through that. Hmm. And if, even if he knocks it over, it's not going to spill.
2: So like, should you be doing that like with, I don't know, the 12 to 18-year-olds? <laughs> yes.
0: if, they if they're doing it, yeah. <laughs> so plastic wrap to that's seriously good. cut down on spills. Next one. Okay, this one bugged me all my life. And when I saw this, I'm like, I want to go back and be a parent again. So, you know, bubbles, Mm.
2: you know, you
0: blow bubbles. Yeah, yeah. Okay, why do they make the wand so it falls down inside the bottle? Why do they? And you can never get it. You're like your fingers going down. They're trying to find it. That's
2: that's just bad engineering. It
0: is bad engineering. So you take one of those clips, you know, um, that you clip. Paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not the paper clip but the other ones, you know, the black ones. The
2: one. black – the clothes. Yeah, yeah, the, the clothesy yeah. ones, OK? Yeah.
0: And then you oh, – you know, they pinch like the open yeah. shut. And then you put that on the top of it and so it can't go down.
2: It oh, interesting. fall down in there. How do you put the lid back? Well,
0: on? this is only for oh, – while they're actually, playing. You know, while you're playing with it. That's a really good idea. And it can never fall back down in there. You could
2: just also tape on another two sticks maybe, a big wooden spoon <laughs> yeah, to it, stick – Something. Then, yeah, then you have got like a really long one.
0: Right. It wouldn't. Yeah. Tape on a plastic. Speaker. That's good. Yeah. Good something hack. like that. Yeah. So clips are easy. We all have them. There
2: is a time you should probably quit playing with the bubbles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you drank too many bubbles. I think I totally you. did. Yeah. Um, next one is this one. I use this one a lot. You know how you have the wipes containers. Now there's the ones that are like uh, made from you know plastic, which you just throw away. Yeah. But I had a lot of those wipe containers that were made from plat, you know, like the hard. Yeah. plastic. I mean, not just the... They last. Yeah. They're like boxes. You can use those boxes for lots of stuff. Hair clips. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I had them in the car for like, you know, things that they would need in the car. One major thing was snacks. So we had each one had a their little, little, snack little snack box. Snack boxes. That's uh-huh. a good idea. Yeah. And so put them in the car with things or organize your house with the barrettes, whatever you need, but you know, even toy.
2: ammo. You yeah. could make it an ammo, ammo box,
0: right? Right. You could hide your, you could hide your chocolate in there. They'd never know. Uh, no one's looking it's for it in, in a wipey wi- box. Baby wipes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Stay out of them wipes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a really nice organizing thing that I used. Um, That's a good idea. For the car in the home or those hard plastic box, those wipers. Okay, next one. I traveled a lot in planes. Did you? I, yeah. One of the reasons why I have only half a brain today is because I've flown. <laughs> You've been flying. I've flown, I've flown all over the you United States. You've done flown. I've done flown with three kids on my own for quite a bit of it because my husband couldn't – because we were living in Chicago. And yeah. we to fly to the West Coast back and forth with three little kids. That was when the Benadryl came in handy. That's right. OK. you, I just went on a flight to Washington State this weekend. And you know there's always a crier in there. Mm-hmm. Always a crier. That's right. But there's always a window too. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get those little cling, those gel clings, hmm. those gel clings. And you buy those and they stick on the window and they entertain them for
2: hours. But it's like a is – it, is it cut out in the shape of yes, something? Yes, shapes. OK. Mm-hmm. So then you just – they can stick them to the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, make little storyboards.
2: That's a, that's a smart idea. Keep yeah. them going.
0: Now you can always bring one of those boards that they cling it onto, but it's so fun have on you, the window. Have I'm you ever
2: heard of an them. iPad? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of kids just are using iPads now.
0: Yeah, they are yeah but those uh, there's something magical about that yeah on the window because you
2: can put them on your car windows yeah
0: on the car on tri, uh, trips in the car
2: well do you remember back in the day when we didn't even care to buckle our kids in
0: back yes
2: when I grew up it didn't you didn't need to be buckled I used to walk all through the car I'd be all over the place I'm and I even sat in the back window uh-huh I got third-degree burns, but I sat in the back window all the way to California from Utah. <laughs> Remember, nobody yes, cared. Nobody cared. You could do anything back yeah,
0: there. Yeah, and the and the windows were like your storyboard. Uh huh. Yeah. And you can get those markers that yeah. The dry erase. Dry, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Good times. Okay, next one. So, um, ever tried to cut a baby's nails? Yes. Okay. You might I try, go I bite, wrestle. I just bite them. Wrestle them. <laughs> bite them right off. Oh, yeah, you sure you do? Okay, you can't do it while they're awake, folks. You wait till they fall asleep. And yeah. about 20 minutes after they fall asleep, then you
2: trim them. Then hands. the party begins at our house. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we do most of our grooming on our kids when they're asleep. <laughs> that that is actually true all the way through about sixteen.
0: You stick them in the bathtub too. Mm-hmm. Give them a bath while they're sleeping. That's right. Yeah.
2: Just keep their head up.
0: Yeah. And if you know if your kids are ever, my my niece said her heard she has two boys and they go at it with each other and she's had it. She said I just stick them in the bathtub and all of a sudden they become like these happy kids playing in bubbles with toys. Yeah. She said I just put them in the bathtub three times a day just to make them. You know when they're right. when I want to have a break from them and they're like <laughs> super.
2: What's the worst thing that could happen in a bathtub?
0: Irritating. Yeah, sticking yeah, in the bathtub. That's good. Um, changes their whole – I don't know what it is. Okay, so here's another one. This is so brilliant, I just can't believe it. What? Okay, so you're outside and your little toddler or whatever preschooler wants something to do. You give them a bucket of water and a paintbrush and say, paint the fence.
2: It's a great idea. Yeah. You
0: should watch that. It's just, it's just really amazing because it looks like it's painted because it turns wet.
2: Yeah, but then the next day they're like <sighs> – what happened? And you
0: call it invisible paint?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I used to. My mom used to do that. Yeah,
0: it's so fun. They like they like making the designs and everything, mm-hmm. and then it goes away. You don't have to ever worry about you it. You didn't
2: waste anything but water. Right. But you know what? That we've got an abundant supply of yeah. that.
0: <laughs> and they like it. They really like. That's that. a good idea. Okay, next one. A child who can't zip up and down their jacket. They can't do, get. Yeah. Them. So you do one of those little. Um, a ring, a key ring. Yeah, then yeah. You put it on the end of the a z- bigger ring. Yeah, so that they can actually hold on to it. That really helps them to with the up and down That's cool. the zipper. Okay, two more.
2: Two more life hacks. All
0: right, you're in a car. You're going on a long trip. Okay, and everything's all over the car. Organize it not only with those little baby wipe things, yeah, build snacks, but the shoe organizer you put over the back of the seat in front of them. You hang it over the oh, yeah. you know the, it, the to mom and dad's without seat. the shoes in it. Yeah. And you put stuff in there so they can reach their own yeah. the sippy cup. They That's can reach cool. their own toys. They can reach their and it's all organized into pockets.
2: See but if and if you're really good, you could you could cut one of those in half and make two.
0: Mm-hmm. If they're too long. Cuz you don't need usually uh-huh. 20 slots. Right. right. Right, right, That's That's cool
2: yeah. idea. Okay, yeah. last
0: one. All right, did your kid ever yell too cold when they need an ice pack? You know and it's hard Oh yeah. hard it's hard. So you freeze marshmallows instead.
2: Oh, that sounds good to eat.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you could use like peas because peas tend to conform to mm-hmm. that. But they love the marshmallow idea. And that, so,
2: then they can eat them as they're <laughs> as, they thaw,
0: as they thaw. You're right. But it's much more soft and it's not so hard on. It's a great idea. As they're putting on their
2: bruises. My kids, we didn't use a lot of cold compresses.
0: You just said get over it.
2: Yeah. Well, we I don't know. My kids were pretty healthy. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm trying to think how many times we put ice it's on It's because you were
0: never around, Matt. It was your wife doing all this. It's probably true. Yeah, she's like, what? We had We had bruising all over the place. We had blood. Yeah. You just it's were gone. It's you because
2: you were loving. You
0: were, you were sleeping. You I were totally nine, You went to bed. I had my
2: earplugs in. I'm just going It was 9
0: that. o'clock after 9 o'clock at night.
2: See, Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom. She got us through another one. A bunch of life hacks. Go to her website, a spoonfulofparenting.com. And you can check out her books, Parenting with Spiritual Power, and keep it real and grab a plunger, 25 Tips for Surviving Parenthood. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. You did it again. Thank you. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Let's shoot it down to our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation, see what's uh, coming up on their show in about 12 minutes or so. Hello, gentlemen.
7: Oh, hey, Matt. What How up? was your day off, bro? Oh,
2: it was fantastic. You guys need to try it.
7: <laughs> no, no, we don't.
2: Did uh, Did you not get to watch the All-Star game and, and just then kick over the weekend and have a f- fun, free Monday off?
7: Well, you know what's funny about that? Jerem... Uh... I think you were the one to tell me yesterday that you didn't watch one second of the All-Star nope, festivities, right?
1: I didn't watch one second. Normally really? I do. This, this weekend I opted not to. I, I sold the car over the weekend. That kept me a little busy. Oh, yeah. Uh, had volleyball matches. We were doing the BYU men's volleyball match against UC San Diego during the dunk contest and three-point shooting mm. and all that. And you then missed... Sunday I just opted not to. Well,
2: you missed the incredible defensive stand that took place in one quarter for one Before minute. The opening tip. Yeah, was... no,
7: that never happened, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really.
1: Like I know you're lying right it. now.
2: One ninety two over one eighty two.
1: I used to like watching that, and then yeah. I realized, no, nah, this is just. Nee. I, I like watching the end of the fourth quarter if it's close because then they play a little defense. Yeah. Like one time Kobe Bryant broke someone's nose or something. Oh yeah, that was, Do you that, that was good. Remember that?
2: That was good time.
1: So, the one time he actually plays defense, he breaks someone's nose or something like that. It's not like. Classic I mean, Kobe.
2: It's, what do you think, by the way, of Jimmer pulling out 72 points?
1: See, that was the real highlight of my. Hey, don't sell him short. It was 73.
2: Oh, was it three? 73 oh, yeah. points. Yeah. That's a lot of. The worth uh... of
1: every point is great in the side of Jimmer.
2: <laughs> Isn't that in Ephesians? Mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. It's one of my like, Ecclesiastes, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six. This is There's really a time for
7: buckets. There's I believe that's the race. book of Jimmerations.
2: Jimmerations. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, What's on your show? I'm sure you'll be talking Jimmer. Come on. Today,
1: today's fun. Well, we talked Jimmer yesterday.
2: Okay. okay. Oh yeah, I was we remember
1: because we Sorry. worked? Yeah. yeah. We didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry
2: to bring it up.
1: <laughs> Our Twitter question today is this: How has this season for BYU basketball impacted your expectations for the next two to three years? Huh? Are you still high that the Cougars can do something? Are you have it, has it
7: lowered? How's this year affected it? This is spurned off of something that Blaine Fowler said yesterday, which lit a storm on Twitter for BYU fans. And he his optimism was gleaming after a rather dim weekend. Mm-hmm. For BYU basketball, yeah, dude. Let's get into the details of that. That's gonna be good. Yeah, it's a
2: good subject. And also,
7: it's-, uh, it's our VIP tour of the brand new. Marriott Center Annex, a.k.a. the (laughs) YMCA basketball practice facility. We went over there Uh, yesterday
1: and saw it it for the first time. We had not been in it on purpose. We had opportunities to go in and see it. We chose not to until yesterday. Uh, A player from each team guided us around. We did a half-court shooting contest, went in the weight room, training rooms, war rooms, player lounges, and then we ended it by giving uh, some housewarming gifts to Jeff Judkins and Dave Rose. Wow. Wow. yeah, and they loved it. So we're going to air that coming up. And is of course, it beautiful the lines, or what? Lauren Frankham today. She hangs out with the gymnast. She tries to do what the gymnasts do.
7: Oh the, man, the most athletic member of our BYU TV sports staff.
1: We sent her in to represent all of us. Yes. So we, we haven't seen it. We don't know how it went. Uh-uh. Uh It was Lauren's birthday yesterday, so we're hoping for good vibes. Um, you know what?
2: It's going to be yeah. good. I can already tell. Okay, I know we got to let you we go. You guys got work to go do. ready. Uh, remember who you are and just know that even when we're not on, we're thinking about you.
7: Thank you, Matt.
2: And uh, keep working when we're not here.
7: I take back every horrible thing I have said (laughs) behind your back. Wait, all of that? All of them. Oh, Oh,
2: this is good. See, we made a lot of progress today. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Knock them dead. Okay. that's good stuff. Just about seven minutes away, folks. You can get everything. Just you're locked and loaded for BYU sports. Stick with it. I'm telling you, life is good. Yeah, Jimmer Fredette scored 73 points. Are you kidding me in Chinese in the Chinese league, which you know the way the Chinese characters are, it actually looks like he scored much more than that. He scored absolutely like 150 points. Um, incredible. We've really got a lot of other uh, stories I wanted to share with you, and here's there's one we we talked earlier about the fact that the Atlanta Zoo had a contest going on with the Rhode Island uh, Zoo. Rhode Island's Roger Williams Park Zoo. They then named um, a cockroach after Tom Brady because the Atlanta lost the the deal, so they had to name an animal, and they didn't choose to name an animal; they chose to name a cockroach.
3: Well, it's a baby animal. They said, "We'll we'll name a baby animal, but we won't pick which one yet."
2: So instead, they chose a Madagascar hissing cockroach. Oh yeah, to disgusting re- to, sound to represent. Tom Brady. Possibly the greatest quarterback of all time.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, it was kind of slap in the face that they had to name a baby, but uh, name it baby animal. But, you know, it's another slap in the face to name it after (laughs) a a hissing cockroach. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Now, this was – there's another story here that I wanted to bring up with you, especially, Colin, because of your driving background. Oh, okay. So a man was caught driving 22 times without a license.
3: So they, they caught me finally.
2: Yeah. A state court panel says a Pennsylvania man caught driving without a license 22 times got the punishment he deserved. Randy Stahl Smith had claimed that his three to six month prison term was excessive for driving offense number 22 in 2015. He pleaded guilty to driving without a license, and a state superior court panel upheld the sentence, saying the 49 year old Erie County man's past behavior sank his appeal. Stallsmith appealed to the Superior Court because the county judge wouldn't allow him to serve his time on work release. Stallsmith argued he shouldn't, he should have received a lighter sentence. But if you get caught
3: 22 times, 22 times, there's something Without up. a license, yeah, you got a bigger problem. The thing is, there's a reason why he doesn't have a license, I guess, because if you're getting pulled over 22 times. Right. Like— <laughs> There's a reason you don't have a license. Like, really? What? Come on, buddy. What's What's the deal? Come on. Come on.
2: Come on. Like, tell me the truth. Um, earlier, also, we—and we we're going to put it up on my Twitter page, uh, at Dr. Matt Show, about the waitress battling the monster lizard.
3: Oh, yeah. It's a normal thing. It's Australia. They do it every day. Really? It's got to be a normal thing in Australia.
2: No. It, why would you think Australia is more normally going to have a 6-foot lizard during your dinner?
3: That's- you know, it's just it's just their thing, you know. They're like, "Oh, there's a there's a crocodile over there, there's a kangaroo over there. It's fine." <laughs> you have it's a really good. weird
2: view of Australia.
3: <laughs> like there's a like the, you're just going to find a kangaroo <laughs> everywhere. Australia, you know, I I imagine kangaroos walking around downtown. Oh, with crocodiles, heavens. like crocodiles, kangaroos, and people just living happily together, going to restaurants, getting drug out of restaurants.
2: Yeah. I don't know where you're getting that. <laughs> uh, also, the we talked a little bit about it with BYU Sports Nation about uh, the All-Star Game. Uh, to me, I'm not getting it. On the All-Star Game, Did you th- listen to these scores. The West in the first quarter had 50 or 48 points. The East had 53. In the second quarter, the West had 49 points. Third quarter, the West had 47 points. Fourth quarter, the West had 48 points. They they had 192 points. Not one defensive play, really, the entire game. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. What were they doing? I mean, it's a slam fest. I guess that's what they're doing.
3: Yeah, probably. In fact... Uh,
2: who was it? Kyrie Irving threw the ball in to Steph Curry. They're on different teams. teams. And then Steph Curry shot a four, like a almost a full court shot. Yeah. It's like, what?
7: <laughs> who are you throwing that ball
2: to? Yeah. Anyway, it just seems like everyone's missing the point of competition. Maybe I'm expecting too much. But the West won, which means the West will have home court advantage in the playoffs apparently. Awesome. Hey, as you know, we always like to end with a hero story. And uh, this is a really cool story about a fill-in school bus driver who builds a girl a wheelchair ramp after seeing her mom struggle. Listen to this. It's out of CBSNews.com in Tennessee. Some may call it it chance, but Verna Despain is convinced. Fate-led school bus mechanic Thomas Mitchell to her doorstep last week. The mechanic from from Clarksville, Tennessee – Fills in as a substitute bus driver for the Clarksville-Montgomery County school system when he's needed. His route occasionally includes bringing a group of special needs children to school. That's when he first met Despain and her 10-year-old daughter Lydia, a third grader, who uses a wheelchair. One morning, Mitchell noticed Despain, a single mother of two, struggling to carry Lydia's wheelchair down the steps from the, of their front porch. And for some reason, he just couldn't shake that image from his head. That's where he turned into the hero. There was just hardly any room for her to maneuver this wheelchair, Mitchell told the school district, which uh, which posted the story on Facebook. It didn't seem right for somebody to have to struggle like that just to get their kids on the bus. So a few days later, he gave Despain a call and offered to come build a customized wheelchair ramp for Lydia free of charge. I was just so shocked, Despain told the news. I got a call from him out of the blue. It took several months to design and plan. Mitchell gathered the tools that he needed and found a few friends to help and even got local Lowe's Home Improvement Store to donate all the necessary materials. And one Sunday in late January, Mitchell knocked on Despain's front door with four friends, including a construction worker, ready to follow through on his promise. And in less than three hours, they built the little ramp uh, for, the, for Lydia that she needed. I thought it was going to be an all-day event, so when he told me that we were done in just three hours, I was shocked and actually impressed, Despain said, describing the wooden ramp complete with a small fence deck. They all went above and beyond what they were expecting, and just a simple guy, right? She said, I'm very thankful, very grateful. It's a major blessing. This is the best year of my children and I have ever had. So congratulations to both Verna and Lydia Despain, but uh, also to... This incredible man, Thomas Mitchell, for his stellar work. That's my friends. That's what a hero looks like. And all it takes, again, is a willing heart. And you just organize your resources, do what you can do, and you change a child's life, a family's life. We hope, uh, we hope everybody could find some way to lift another. That's the goal of the show, is to lift uh, each of us as we make it through this crazy thing we call life. We'll be back tomorrow. More ideas, more information to help you live longer, love stronger. Until then, make it a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow.